Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, May the 4th, 2016, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Shortle. I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Hello, and I'll let Mara say it. On the line with Miss Mara Wood. Hello. <laughs> Come on. And, I was supposed to say I forgot. And Joey Bracino. <laughs> Happy Star Wars Day. Yeah, May the 4th be with, with you. Come on, Mara. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on Tuesday time. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to wear on May the 4th. I can't decide between my Darth Vader cherry blossom dress or my Ray walking across the Jakku desert dress. I think you've redeemed yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What if you go to school in the Ray and then change to Darth Vader when kids have been naughty? (laughs) That's a good idea. Well, the Darth Vader one isn't very intimidating because it's a pink dress. With cherry blossoms floating in the background. Okay. Which but, I mean, that's really intimidating to me. <laughs> if you wear the helmet, and he's like it would in be. the corner of it with his fist out, like mm. <laughs> grabbing cherry blossoms. Okay. Okay. I may. I don't know. It's a good idea to do both, though, because I at this point I'm so I'm wavering back and forth between Ray and Darth Vader. Mm. Well, you have to let us know, Mara, what what, what you what you decide. We want pictures. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's welcome to the Talking Comics podcast. Um, we got a, a mostly comic talk for you again this week, uh, leading up to our our big movie talk next week with Captain America: Civil War. Um, oh man! I know yeah. Joey, Mara, and Bob are all going on Thursday. We're mocking you with our yes, eyes. Yes, yeah. I will be going <laughs> on. Um, on Saturday, and then I think also again on Monday. So I will oh, see so you twice. doubled up on us. Yes. Okay, I'm taking my mother on Monday nice. for a, a post Mother's Day Mother's Day present. Uh, I offered to take her on Sunday, but my mom does not like really missing like during the day sit outside time, mm-hmm. so she did not want to go during the day on Sunday. <laughs> so we're gonna go Monday night after work, uh, seeing it then. But I'm seeing it Saturday. Uh, I. I went. I, I elected to do you know like kind of like the reserved pick your seats type mm-hmm. of deal. Even though it was a little more expensive and a little bit later than I wanted to go, just because I didn't want to have to worry about where I was going to be sitting yeah. on, on the day. Uh, yeah. So it is also in 3D, which I'm not also super psyched about. But um, it's like in like the premium format screen thing. So hopefully it'll be a good experience r- mm-hmm. r- regardless. Uh, looking forward to that. For sure. I know. I've spoken to you off air here. I'm seeing it with Professor Carolyn Coca. Mm. Going into Huntington to a theater I used to go to as a little boy. Mm. It's it's now a multiplex. It's eight with a lobby and a whole fancy schmancy thing, an escalator, no less. We used to have to walk up the badly carpeted stairs. And you had to exit if you were in the balcony in the old days down the fire escape. Hmm. <laughs> Outside the building. <laughs> 
And I can still remember we, my parents and I saw the original Planet of the Apes and walked outside, 1967, whatever it was, I was 11. You know, I really liked that movie, my father said, but I hated that psychological ending. It's like, come on, he, <laughs> bad stuff has to happen to him twice? Come on, what's that about? <laughs> so it'll be old home week, which is, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, this is one of the first ones I'm not seeing in like the first showtime I could possibly <laughs> see it. So I'm a little bummed about that, but still very pumped to go to the movies and, and, and see it. Um, Joey, I know that you've yeah. been... Well, other than being excited for the Tony Award nominations, which I, I'm, you were you were retweeting all morning. <laughs> I retweeted all the things today. I was at school. I was on duty. I, I have like desk duty. I'm the security. I, I stopped the doors, but they started doing the Tony nominations, and I was like, retweet, 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 retweet. I love it. I love theater, and I love the Tony Awards. Like yeah. I love I I love to hate award shows. Mm-hmm. I legitimately love the Tony Awards. It's just my favorite thing. So the nominations were great. Um, Hamilton swept. And I was telling Mara before uh, that, you know, we talked about Hamilton on the show a couple of weeks ago. I don't think it's a coincidence that they picked up as many nominations <laughs> that, as they did yeah. after we talked about it on the show. Well, I mean, I'm no one's saying. talking about Hamilton ever. It, no one's ever talking about it. So obviously it's, it's a little yeah. show so, that nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Little 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 fun fact for you, Joey. A friend of mine, he's like a session drummer. Uh, he's actually gonna be playing drums in Hamilton <sighs> starting in, a, in like a couple weeks. Can you get us tickets? That's awesome. I don't know. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> off the air, Bob. <laughs> off the air. We'll discuss that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sit, in the, sit in the pit with the band. Yeah. Um, I can do triangle. So, Joey, do you think it's gonna be one I of those? What would you say, Mara? I said I can play cello if they really need someone in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, if they really need someone. <laughs> you can be, like, fifth chair or whatever. Yeah. That, that's oh, a... no, like, 10th or 11th, 12th, okay. right. 20th, like, way back there. <laughs> um, Joey, do you think it's one of those years where Hamilton's going to, like, basically sweep everything that it's nominated for? No. No, you don't. I do not think so. I think it, I think it's a lock for best... I think it's a lock for best book and score but i think everything else there's a lot of contention this season a lot of competition from a lot of great shows Mm. i think people are going to be surprised when it doesn't sweep because it seems like everybody's only talking about hamilton Mm -hmm. but um i think school of rock is going to win a few i think bright star the show that steve martin and eddie bricknell um edie bricknell worked on is gonna gonna get some um and i think that People often forget that, you know, there are a lot more awards than just best show. I, I think lighting design and costume design, like a lot, those are up in the air and they always are. So um, I don't think it's going to sweep. I think it's been a great season. Uh, and I think Hamilton is just one L a really great season. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Insider theater talk from our own Joey Pacino. You don't get yeah, that on a lot of comic book podcasts. <laughs> You don't get that a lot of comic book podcasts. Um, another thing you've been doing, Joey, is you've been watching all of the Marvel movies in, in preparation for this uh, Captain America Civil War movie that's coming out uh, this week. Yes, I have. So yeah, man. tell me, how long did it take you to watch, what is it, 10 movies? 12. 12 movies. How long did it take you to watch all 12 movies? I started Friday at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. I got about three movies in i got to iron man 2 friday and then i I fell asleep then i knocked out (laughs) i knocked out everything up until up until 
Dark World on Saturday, and then finished out Winter Soldier, Guardians, Avengers, and Ant-Man on Sunday. So it took pretty much all weekend um, with a few breaks to get out of the house, walk around, mm. you know, a bit, you know, because uh, otherwise just sitting on the purple couch, just, you know, the purple um, couch. I love that. But but uh, and I think uh, Mara had had tweeted me during watching. But like you forget how enjoyable for the most part, all of these movies are. Uh, you watch them in isolation, months apart or whatever, um, but to watch them back to back to back, really top to bottom. And we make our lists of ranking and all of that. But for the most part, they all are very good movies, very entertaining. Uh, and I, I think what I noticed is that the casting almost universally is really, really good. And it's really a strength of the whole franchise from top to bottom. Even the the bastard son, Incredible Hulk. <laughs> Hey. In isolation, <laughs> you know, thinking about you got William Hurt, Ed Norton, even Liv Tyler's pretty good in that mm-hmm. movie. Tim Roth's great yes. in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, th- there's the casting, I think, and it all ends from the beginning with Iron Man all the way up until uh, it's been on point. Mm. Mara, have you been watching them all, too? Uh, Matt has. Okay. And I've been coming in and out as I see fit. So, okay. um so I kind of been picking and choosing. So last last night we were doing Winter Soldier, and I was like, I'm gonna be here for this whole movie. <laughs> um, I was partly there for Iron Man three. Actually, I was there for all of Iron Man three, part of the Thor two. Mm. And so I think we're. I don't know if we're gonna watch Guardians of the Galaxy or just jump to um, Age of Ultron and then um, Ant Man and then the movie. But it's it's kind of really interesting to see how the universe has been expanding and growing as you go through. And it's just, I still get like little chill bumps when they say some sort of like small reference to another movie, mm-hmm. like uh, Colson saying he has to go out to New Mexico for some sort of one thing or another. And you're like, Oh my gosh, that's Thor's hammer. And, and you know, these little huh. things that's like, I know what it is and I'm so used to that shared universe now, but I still get really excited that, it exists and these characters are talking about it without uh, any kind of hesitation. Yeah. I, I've been inspired by Joey. I, I started my Trek as well. Um, basically my entire Sunday was, I watched most of probably pretty much all of phase one on Sunday. Um, and that moment at the end of the credits in Iron Man one still gives me, gives me chills. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. when Nick Fury says, I, I, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. And it made me really think about watching those first, you know, four movies before the Avengers um, really made me think about um, or five movies before the Avengers really made me started thinking about, about like, Mar, you mentioned how the universe has expanded and just how, how the movies have grown, because a lot of those early movies are, are comparatively very small movies to what we're, we're yeah. seeing now. You know, I mean, you know, Iron Iron Man, um, Thor, especially Thor has you know, kind of the one big action scene at the beginning with the Frost Giants. And then, really, there's not more than a couple of people on screen at once doing stuff for the, for the rest of the movie. I mean, the movie comes down to a fight between two people in, in the end. And, I mean, Iron Man does the same thing. And then Iron Man 2 is a little bit of a bigger budget. You get a little bit more stuff going on. Um, and then and I think Captain America is one of the first ones that really does a lot of kind of multi-tiered 
action sequences that sort of really go from one place to another and do a bunch of different things. But then you you, you fast forward and you watch Winter Soldier compared to the, the first you know half of everything or Iron Man three even. Um, and it's just a crazy how big everything has grown. And the other thing I was struck by watching those first five movies was just that feeling of, remember the days when you had to explain to your <laughs> the non-comic book reading people like what who Thor was, who Captain America was, what the Avengers were, how this was all going to work together, why, trust me, why it was going to be cool that they were all going to be in the same movie mm-hmm. together. No, don't worry, the Hulk is really actually very cool. Like It's going to be a neat thing to see him in the Avengers. And like, and now it's just this commonplace discussion, and everybody knows how these movies are connected. They my, like my mom understands that like Agents of Shield has connections to the movies, and when you to make sure you watch th- this set of episodes before you watch the movie, but don't watch the next set of episodes before you watch the movie because you're gonna get spoiled probably on stuff <laughs> that's gonna you know that kind of stuff is all ingrained in I think a lot of people's heads at this point. But it's very interesting to go back and look at that stuff when it was just still just a promise, right? That. All the movies were existing, and you had Coulson and Fury sometimes sort of ping-ponging between movies, but for the most part, they were they were still very separate, you know, with hints of, of other things to come. And, and now, obviously, they're so entwined together that there's no separating them, but it's just a very fascinating to watch that. For me, I was struck by how much I enjoyed the first Thor movie. Uh, not, oh, that I, not that I... My second favorite. Which is... I think that's a little crazy, but we'll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's my second favorite movie after Winter Soldier. It's my second one in the in the in the whole list. Um, but I was I'd always enjoyed it, and we, when when it, when it came out, I I really loved it. But it was it's probably been since before the first Avengers movie came out that I watched through uh, the original Thor movie, and I was just struck by how much I enjoyed it. And I mean, obviously, you're reminded how great. Hiddleston is as Loki. Mm-hmm. There's that scene where he's arguing with Odin when he finds out that he's not really his son, and it's insane how good he is in in that scene with Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. Um, but from I, I, I've gotten through. Um, I skipped Thor: The Dark World um, to get to to get to Blasphemy. Winter, to get to Winter yeah. Soldier. I plan on going back and watching it, but I wanted to make sure sh- I, I I needed to make sure I watched all the Iron Man and all the Cap movies before. Um, Civil War. So I kind of fast forwarded. I plan to go back. Um, so I watched um, Iron Man three and Avengers. Uh, Iron Man three and um, Winter Soldier both yesterday. Really, uh, and I was one thing I was struck by with Winter Soldier is just from the moment the movie starts, the sort of level of filmmaking craft and action directing is on another level to me than even watch, watching them all together like that. There's just something about it. The moment it starts, there's just it in that first action scene on the boat. It just has it's shot in a way and it's edited in a way and and, and it's constructed and choreographed in a way that's just I think a cut above what we've seen in the action stuff in the other movies. Even the Avengers, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, I, I feel like it trumps it in a lot of ways as, as far as action goes. And my rewatch definitely one thing was the Thor thing, and it was also the man Winter Soldier is absolutely my favorite of of the Marvel movies is what I came away from with this. Same here. Same here. So now I did sort of the cap triple feature. Mm. So it's cap Avengers winter soldier. Mm. And I'm a huge fan of what Joe Johnson did with the Rocketeer, certainly. And they couldn't have picked a more perfect director to Mm. do a world war two film. And I watched two hours of captain America with tears in my eyes (laughs) last night. 
it from the first time as, as a huge fan from when he came back in Avengers number four all those years ago, the guy in the ice and the shield, and we go to Little Steve, mm. which is just such a brilliant mm. special effect. The stuff with with Doctor Erskine. Mm. Oh, well, I told a, you, yeah, cry. yeah, cry exactly. Right it yeah. definitely has the most emotions of any of the yeah. movies, and for me, the most feeling mo mo moment of any of the movies is the moment where Erskine is dying, and he yeah. he just points to Cap's oh, heart. Yeah, I'm crying. <laughs> but but then we we follow that with uh, perfect. I, I I need the perfect partner. Yeah, in in the car rides, I have to put it in the water. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't be don't be late. Yeah. And, and the, the the last line is, "I had a date." Yeah, boom. <laughs> in the middle. Stop, of, guys. Right? Yeah. I mean, come on. But but that's what makes this connected series of movies so great. They're each so different, mm. and yet all cut from the same cloth. They're all part of something that you can see when you see them all as you're talking about yeah. in a big lump. Wow, this does connect, and not just because these characters connect. There's a filmmaking sense of we're doing this together. We're we're crafting a quilt. Mm. Yeah. And that's with so many different directors all buying in, however they did it, and telling horror stories, monster stories, mythology, World War II, political thrillers, science fiction, comedy capers, you name it, they've all been here. What can possibly come next atop this? Well, mysticism. <laughs> We've got Outer Space with Captain Marvel. We'll mm. have the Black Panther. We may or may not have the Inhumans. Mm. Probably not at this point. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. It's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and one thing I was struck by too, watching Phase 2, is that there's definitely a lot more, you can a lot more feel director authorship in Phase 2. Yeah. Much more than, much more than Phase 1, I, I, I feel like. You know, I think that... The Russo Brothers movie doesn't look anything like the Shane Black movie. Doesn't look anything like the James Gunn movie. Mm -hmm. You know, they have a very distinct flavor, and, and I love how much Iron Man three feels like a Shane Black movie. You know, it's it's a it's set at Christmas. There's stuff happening <laughs> in like convenience stores, and you know, and there's there's those very funny, witty dialogue moments in it as well. Um, and, and you know, the, the Russo Brothers who came out of nowhere, you know, for for all of us to direct. What is I think one of the most stellar action movies of the last ten yeah. years with, with with the Winter Soldier and of course Gunn with, do, with doing Guardians of the Galaxy. It's, there's some really special stuff kind of happening um, in those three movies. But you know, one of the things I was and I, we, I think we always say it, but I was again struck by the fact that the basis that is laid forth in Iron Man is is pretty astounding. You know, you, you can see the tone being set for everything that will come after it in, in, in some way or another. And I don't know if there's any superhero movie which I think does a better job with an origin story. The, the first 45 minutes of Iron, the first Iron Man, I think, are pretty much the, the perfect superhero movie. Um, I mean, obviously, buoyed by this amazing, charismatic you know, performance by Robert Denny Jr., yeah. but it's it just all of it, it just works so well. And I don't think, I don't think that Favreau gets enough credit Amen. For not only shaping what the universe be, but but also the 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 Iron Man movies aren't plainly shot. Uh, they're, they they don't they don't look pedestrian. I don't think like there's some really cool stuff in those movies. There's some really interesting ideas in those movies and looks in those movies. And I think that I think that he gets he doesn't get enough credit for sort of how he sculpted th that sort of aesthetic and look. And coming from such small movies that he was doing before yeah. to that Swingers. is that yeah, yeah, yeah it's that same leap Maybe. with the Russos. <laughs> 
I just read recently he's not averse to coming back That's if what they he said, yeah. throw the right thing at him. Yeah. Please, please come back. I mean, he's making bank right now with Jungle Book. He is. So like... Yeah. <laughs> he's in the Disney good graces right now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and we'll see how it all goes through with, with, with Civil War and how the Russo sort of follow up. But, you know, it, yeah. it, I, I, I think the universe is in good hands, in, 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 in their hands, you know, mm-hmm. moving on to doing Infinity War and, and stuff like that. Um, I mean, all... All reports say that Civil War is going to be fantastic, but we'll have to see for ourselves and talk about that um, next week. But, Joe, you think uh, Winter Soldier definitely your number one? I don't have the list in front of me, but I think it was Winter Soldier, Thor, Iron Man 3, maybe, mm. were my top three. You, you and I, Joey, are big Iron Man 3 lovers, and I'm, I'm happy that you're on the podcast, sir. <laughs> yeah. It's. I think I agree with you. I think that once you get into phase two, it kind of starts with Cap one, as Bob mm. is saying with with Joe Johnston. But once you get into phase two, the the style is so distinctive for each of those movies. Yeah. Even Dark World, you know, at the height of Game of Thrones, right? right? Yeah. To bring in Alan Taylor, and the world building in that is just so astounding. Mm. And to keep the flavor of that first Thor. Um, but, you know, those Phase 2 movies, even Age of Ultron is more of a Joss Whedon film than right. Avengers 1. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of why, like, I love all of the Iron Man movies. Even Iron Man 2, kind of like, it, I, I know we, it it's kind of always falls to the bottom of people's oh. list because, you know, <laughs> whatever. But um, I did notice that Iron Man 2, a lot of very misogynistic humor in there. And I don't know how much of that was kind of improvised from hmm. Downey and, and Rockwell and, and Favreau and, and stuff. But uh, but um, the the style in, in Phase 2, I think, makes those movies more interesting, more fun to watch than, than the Phase 1 ones. Yeah. There's this moment in, in Iron Man 3 where – and it's such a shame black type moment, but like, it's the moment right before the house gets blown up, right? And it's uh, Pepper and Tony and the Rebecca Hall character mm-hmm. – uh, shows up and he's gotten Pepper that, that giant bunny, um, uh-huh. and they're just sort of talking and they're going back and forth and it's very quick and it's very snappy, and and Rick Paul's like, "What's with that bunny? Is that is that normal?" He's like, "It's a giant bunny. Just relax about it, okay?" Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, <laughs> and it just, it just felt like a kiss, kiss, bang, bang, you know, uh, yeah. moment. I love that movie. Me too. One of my favorite movies. Uh, so it was such a great moment, and, and um, yeah, it's. I agree with Joey. There's, no, there's no none of the movies where I felt like I didn't like. You know, um, mm-hmm. Iron Man two I think is the weakest, only because I think the story is kind of a mess. I think that it, it, I think character wise and performance wise, it does a great job, but I think just in how it executes its story, it doesn't do a, a wonderful job. And Incredible Hulk is very much like the sort of forgotten kind of stepchild because there has never been another solo movie to follow up sort of the the uh, yeah. the story threads and of course they change casting uh, mm-hmm. that that makes that makes big difference as well but um, but it's good it's good it's it totally it's totally good and and I love that scene in the, at the college the big actually at the college I love that kind of Tim Roth v Hulk moment before yeah. he's the abomination yeah. and he's you know kind of super soldiering around and flipping around and all that kind of stuff um, and the last fight is really cool too I mean there's some the CG is obviously you know at this point it's eight years old at this point yeah. um, so there are some times where it's a little bit spotty but I think overall it's it's good there's just some moments where it's it's bad um, 
there's some crazy Hulk parkour at the end of that yes. movie. Yes, there is. Um, but also, like, Ed Norton, I, I will say this. Ed Norton is such a kind of, like, a, a, a doofy character in that. There's one part where they put an ice pack on his head. Yes. And I'm like, I can't take this seriously. <laughs> right, when, when they're wheeling him out of yes. the, the yes, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what is this? But I, I was thinking, like, what if they had kept Norton? And mm. I just, I can't see it. Yeah. Because no, we, Whedon's banner is so... Is so Whedon, mm. you know. So, so putting Ruffalo in there, like, I, but on the flip side, I can't see Ruffalo in that kind of chase movie, Incredible Hulk. What they did with Norton and and, and that crew, like, I just mm. don't. There's two such different iterations of that character um, that I don't see them bouncing. I, I just can't see that. So, I kind yeah. of agree. I think Ruffalo might have been able to, but it, it's a little bit of a stretch. The yeah, Norton. Not funny, generally. No, not very funny. Yeah. Any moment that yeah. he's trying to be funny in that movie is yeah. generally a, a fall flat type of moment for me. Um, but I, that's what makes him so endearing. He's just this nerd. <laughs> you you know, I love it. You I wouldn't like it. me when I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and the thing about for me is like, I never watched the the TV show right back when it was mm-hmm. on or even in reruns, and I feel like a lot of that movie is sort of chasing the idea oh, of, of that television They even show. throw the music into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lou Ferrigno is in it, and he's also the, yeah. the voice of the Hulk when the Hulk is the Hulk. So, you know, uh, that stuff to me, it's like, uh, I feel like, obviously, they needed to do a big sort of turnaround after the Ang Lee stuff, but I felt like they never really got the idea of Banner in a movie, working in a movie right until Ruffalo. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't want to see someone who hates being himself for all, the entire movie, because then you're just waiting. You're just waiting for him to be the Hulk the whole time. Which is what the TV show right. was. Yeah, <laughs> twice a show he'd be the Hulk. <laughs> yeah, um, and and when you're watching Ruffalo and the Avengers, you're not necessarily just waiting for the Hulk to show up. You're enjoying just watching Ruffalo be Bruce Banner. The, the last time I was in New York, I kind of broke Harlem. Yeah, yeah, his yeah science bros. Right. Exactly, exactly. Um, and there's that really funny moment at the end of Iron Man 3 where it reveals that he's been like yes. talking to Bruce the whole time. That's what his voiceover was. <laughs> that was great. That's a nice little moment. I'm not that kind of doctor. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very good moment. But yeah, I'm definitely I'm planning on watching Dark World and definitely Ant-Man before um, before I watch uh, Civil War. Uh, I'm skip, I'm probably going to skip Guardians unless I have the time to watch it just because it it's not really in that flow. It's mm-hmm. not in the... It's not in the the Civil War flow, um, and I I've seen uh, the first Avengers twenty five times, and I and I, I just watched Age of Ultron about two months ago, mm-hmm. so I don't know if I'm gonna rewatch that as well. I may go for the Met Salinger Captain America, mm. just for fun with the rubber ears from nineteen ninety one. Joey, the, the big question the is, rest- big question is, Joey, did you get to watch Daredevil? Uh, the the Ben Affleck Daredevil. Yeah. No, I couldn't put it in. It didn't work out. <laughs> I had to do something Sunday night. It didn't work out. I know that was on your plan. Out, I couldn't figure out where it fit, and then all of a sudden Favreau's in it, and I'm like, hey, what's Happy Hogan doing with uh, Matt Murdock? <laughs> couldn't, I couldn't reconcile the continuity. It just didn't, didn't work out. Where does Blade fit into all that? Yeah. Yeah. Cool... <laughs> I don't know. I think they're pretty – first two are pretty good. Blade 2 is great. Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is like, yo, bring me back. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do another one. I got to pay my taxes. I started this business. <laughs> um, all right. So let's enough of movie talk for now. Let's, let's, uh, let's shift over into talking about some comics. Um, Mara, I'm going to put you on the hot seat first here. Okay. I'm going to put three minutes on this clock and go. 
So May the 4th. So let's talk some Star Wars first. Um, Star Wars number 18 came out last week. Jason Aaron and Lin- I don't know his name very well. Linnell Lin- Francis Yu. Mm-hmm. And they are still on the um, Rebel Jail arc. So we're looking at Sunspot Prison, which is a rebel prison that faces the sun. So it's very dangerous, very hot, very... Um, people don't want to be there. And someone is releasing prisoners from this prison. And Princess Leia is there. And Sonostaros is there. And Dr. Afra is a prisoner. And now that all the prisoners are free and there's chaos and, and there's... Um, danger these three women have to team up together to take control of the prison again and keep everyone safe so it's basically the team up i've been waiting for since they introduced sauna Staros and star wars number six and i think it's a great payoff the characters play off each other very well leia's you know very straight laced you know this is uh, point a point b and this is how we're going to get there sauna is kind of the the smuggler scoundrel and then dr afra is like i do what i want <laughs> murder droids <laughs> so it's it's a fun little arc and i'm really glad that they're featuring these three women and how different they are and how they approach their problems um from different perspectives saga um number 36 well which i'm sure we're going to you know, talk more about later, but I feel like at this point, people don't talk enough about Saga anymore. Like, they were really into it, the first couple arcs, and the talk about it has died down significantly. I just want to keep saying that this series has been consistently good every single month it's out. Um, There's always some sort of twist and some sort of gut-wrenching pain that comes with every revelation, and this issue is just both heartwarming and and saddening at the same time. And I really, really enjoyed it. Black Magic, Volume 1, from Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott. I try to do my best to read the volumes as they come out, as well as the ongoing issues. So if I pick up an issue month to month, I try to read the, the collection at the end, just because I like to see that difference between the month to month reading and the um, trade waiting. But Black Magic, I was especially interested in it because we're losing this series to gain Wonder Woman. So I, I felt like I was paying respect to Black Magic again by by revisiting it in whole. Uh, I think I like it better as a trade than individual issues. So Rowan Black is a witch. Someone is after her, trying to kill her, trying to take her down. And she also works as a detective and trying to figure out what's going on without revealing her identity to her her department and the people who know her as a normal person it's fantastic it's one of the most artistic and creative series i've been reading lately i'm really sad to see it gone for a year but i think it's going to be um i I really hope that after they do wonder woman they're going to come back and finish it and was that time yes that was time okay (laughs) <laughs> I'll just I'll just not talk about the other two then. <laughs> <laughs> we might have time a little later. We, we we're going to be talking mostly about comics, so you yeah. might get some time later to, to talk about that okay. stuff. As we all agree about Black Magic, yes. it is one of the favorite things I've read in the last mm-hmm. four or five years. It is beautifully drawn, obviously by, by mm-hmm. Nicholas Scott. The, the uses of color in just spots there. Oh man! Right, <laughs> and it's just wow. You don't even realize you're reading a black and white book until mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's this boosh. well they're, and they're and when they happen you get like this either they make your gut drop yep. or you know i that the first one is just it's like it's like someone punches you you know right in the in the chest when it happens it's just 
mm-hmm. it, 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 it's just an amazing way, and, and it's not always the way you would expect. Sometimes, like, here's some red. You know, that's not mm-hmm. just that. It's just, they use color very specifically, and it, it, it's yeah. pretty astounding. Yeah. And it's usually like like a sp- splash page or something that's very yeah. eye catching, and then it almost acts like a exclamation point at that part because it's not used very often. It's almost like, you know, we've had, you know, the climax and the resolution, and here is the final part of of this small arc within a larger arc yeah absolutely absolutely the research is really well done here i've I've talked Mm. with a few wiccans of my acquaintance (laughs) who are really very happy with the portrayal here it it isn't just what you would think there's humor there's heart there's horror there's some Mm. really nasty stuff going on (laughs) and it's still just a ball of fun to read. Mm. The only thing uh, I, I know Bobby has heard me complain about this. The first issue came out as a comic and a magazine. Mm. A giant oversized <laughs> magazine and when you see Miss Scott's art blown up one and a half times holy mackerel. <laughs> and we were talking before, I can't wait to see, because the trade doesn't have the extra story no. of, the, of these people. Mm. Yeah. So there'll be, I'm hoping, a digest size, you know, oversized, you mm. know, treasury size edition that has all that extra stuff and the blown up art. And I don't care if it's forty bucks, I'll buy one. <laughs> I say if they did something for Black Magic, like they did with Lazarus, yeah, yeah, uh, with the oversized hardcovers, mm-hmm. with you know the the big maps and, and Lazarus and the bonus content, I would be pretty pretty satisfied. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing yeah. book. And I will say, go back to what you said about Saga, Mara. Um, that the that that page, the 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 page, and I showed it to Bob before. Yeah, weep weep weep. <laughs> I, like I got to that page and literally had to stop reading because I had tears like starting to form yeah. in, in in my eyes. Um, it's just so beautifully paced, and the way and the page leading up to it is so beautifully laid out, and just it sets up sort of that you know that build up and release so well. With with how you know how the one I'm try, not gonna spoil I'm trying to spoil it, but yeah. how the one character reacts to the other character, and when it hits, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful moment, and it's one of the things where, like you said, Mara, it's so good month after month that you just have this ingrained love and an investment in in the people who are involved in it. So when these big things happen, they just they just hit very very strongly when, whenever they do. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's followed up. It's a very happy moment. And then it's followed up not too long after that by a very, very sad oh. moment. Uh, and then another very happy moment to, to, oh, to, to close it out. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a roller coaster, is, is Saga. Um, and I, I guess we'll have to wait a couple more months because I'm guessing this is the end of this arc. That's what I would 36. assume. 36. I think every six issues, they take a three-month break. Yeah. So we have three months so. to wait, but um, it, it was But I guess well it's time it. to go back and read... You know, thirty through or thirty-one, thirty through thirty-six. So yeah. you know, yeah, we'll get to revisit again. Get the return of Gus, which was which was pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> mm. uh, being a badass as his as his little I don't know he's like an otter I don't know exactly what yeah, he is. What is he? <laughs> seal? Seal? Yeah, maybe space seal. Yeah, space seal. Uh, seal pup. Seal pup. He's awesome. Uh, and again, it's just like you said, Mar. It's like month after month. The writing is top of the line. The art is top of the line. It's just consistently excellent month in and month out. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like the reason why I don't hear a lot of people say, did you read the latest saga anymore? Is like, we're taking it for granted. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, we're becoming accustomed to getting this this great ongoing series each each month that 
it's like, come on, let's keep talking about Saga, please. We have to reward the things that are great or else we won't get them anymore. Absolutely. Exactly. Continued excellence is one of the easiest things to overlook when it comes to any sort of ongoing medium. Um, and right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what did it end up? It ended up like number three or four for us in yeah. our top ten. So I'm least happy that we're, it's still in our, in our list. But it's very easy to, and we try to act on it, yeah. but still. Batman and Daredevil yeah. and Hawkeye and all these things mm-hmm. that we all love. It's just, yeah, well, it was great. Yeah, of course on. it was yeah, great. Yeah, it's, it's always like, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Joey. Yes. Are you ready, sir? Yes. Uh, you need, I need more confidence than that, sir. <laughs> yes. There we go. All right, there we go. Three minutes and go. Okay, so uh, the first book I read uh, was The X-Files, number one, new series from IDW, uh, written by Joe Harris, art by Matthew Dow Smith, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Chris Mowry. This team actually worked on, IDW put out a kind of like a season 11 miniseries when uh, the TV revival happened uh, a few months ago. And Joe Harris, the writer, worked on uh, IDW's kind of long-running X-Files season 10 from 2013. So they bring the team back. Um, As I said last week, this kind of new ongoing is set during the continuity established by the recent revival. So Mulder and Scully are a little bit older. Um, Harris obviously has a very great grasp of our two protagonists. So it was really cool to kind of see them bouncing off each other again in the comic. Um, Turn my page here. Uh, Harris and company perfectly capture that kind of wry humor, that weird sci-fi, and the sometimes kind of unsettling prescience of in comic book form here. Um, The first issue deals with the aftermath of a kind of mass shooting, but in typical X-Files fashion, they give us the politics of it and they give us the kind of cultural critique of that and then it gets weird afterwards. And the fact that Harrison and and the book kind of takes the time to talk about this issue before getting into it, I think speaks to the 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 success of the book. Um, I think one of the big pluses for the book too is that Matthew Dow Smith and, and Jordi Belair the way that they illustrate it's kind of this moody noir which really plays up the the kind of procedural detective element of x-files which is one of my favorite parts so it's a great new series um that has new kind of boost from the recent successful tv revival uh the other book I read was called Killbox Number One from American Gothic Press by Tom Reardon and Nathan Gooden. Uh, it's kind of this high-stakes, high-end gamblers set up this most dangerous game, essentially. Um, but what makes it interesting is they're set in broad daylight in cities. I, I think issue one is set in L.A. Uh, basically, these kill boxes or zones in these cities that you know these contestants have to take each other out. And, and the kind of bouncing back and forth between the characters uh, makes for something really interesting. It is a little scattered because uh, Reardon is introducing us to all these characters, all the contestants, the world itself. So um, it was a little scattered for an issue one, but I think there's a lot of promise there. Uh, how much time do I have? You have 10 seconds. Uh, loved four kids walking into a bank. Nice. Amazing. <laughs> and also caught up with Cry Havoc, which you mentioned last week, mm. Bobby, and loved that too. That was it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, I'll extend your time a little bit, Joey. What did you like about Four Kids? Oh, my God. The freaking, the, what you talked about last year, last week with the kid throwing up, that yeah. one panel. Yeah. 
blew my mind. <laughs> but it's so it's so funny. It's so funny in the most kind of. I think I think you mentioned Goonies yeah. last week. Was the the point? I think it's totally appropriate. Mm. The way that the jokes and the way that the the kind of the the youth of the characters is a product of the humor itself. Uh, our producer's humor in and of itself is is so good. Very distinctive voices, very distinctive characterization. Um, just so fun and so different and so weird. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Totally. Awesome. Awesome. Um, all right. Bob. Okay. Are you ready? <coughs> yeah. Okay, you've okay. got three minutes and go. Secret Six number 13 is the next to last issue before this quirky of under-purchase series by Gail Simone leaves the shelves. Although they're a really bizarre lot, this book has, has been an exposition of what it means to be a family, and here that family binds together to rescue Strix from the clutches of Lady Shiva and the League of Assassins. Sadly, going away soon. Speaking of such, Batgirl 51 is a kind of bittersweet as, it, as it's also into its last mile, and the feeling of impending loss really took me out of enjoying the book, which is a, it's a very good story featuring some surprising guest stars. But I'm beginning to feel as I did as the new 52 was announced and begins to take over. But I think Batgirl 52 will be a really nice summation of where we go, and I'll enjoy them for what they are. Uh, Squadron Supreme Number 6 by James Robinson and Leonard Kirk is a setup for a story featuring Dr. Spectrum, who's the Green Lantern of this kind of Justice League. But it doesn't neglect to keep all the other stories and characters moving forward. And if what I read in a rather spoilery interview with Mr. Robinson is true about what's coming in number nine, this series is poised to make waves. Oh. Pun intended for those paying attention. The <laughs> ultimate number six was another amazing issue. Here the focus is on Galactus and his new role as the life bringer. Now, along with A-Force, these have been the only books really addressing the whole Secret Wars aftermath, hangover, whatever you want to call it, what happened here. And here... You've got Al Ewing going ultra-cosmic, and it's a tale of Sisyphus, in essence, that also includes guest artist Christian Ward from Matt Fraction's Odyssey. So this, Kenneth Rokefer was doing a great job. This is ultra-bizarre-looking. I showed it to Bobby. It is just nuts. And if you've been enjoying Ultimate, you'll enjoy this one, too. Might be my, one of my favorite single issues of the year so far. Spider-Woman number six is the latest chapter in the Spider-Women crossover and is filled with surprises, the most pleasant one being guest artist Joel Jones. Oh. <gasps> yeah! Yay! <laughs> Woo! Uh, really quickly, three fun finales. Ms. Marvel number six finishes up the hipster Viking goop Clone Wars saga. Yep. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur has Lunella Lafayette and Devil roaming through the Lower East Side of New York in pursuit of the killer folk and the missing Omniway projector and... Patsy Walker Hellcat, with help from her, yes, with help from Valkyrie and the She-Hulk, they take down the Asgardian sorceress. I'm gonna blow this. Cassiolina, Cassiolina, I'm close. Anyone want to jump in? I've got 14 whole seconds. Sorry. Well, uh, Joey, I know you kind of and Mara both kind of woohooed a couple of the, yes, so let's a couple of the books. Yes. So, uh, Mara. Spider Woman. Spider Woman. <laughs> yes, go. What did you love about Spider Woman? Uh, well, the main series itself has been really, really fantastic, but I've been really enjoying the crossover. Mm. I don't really get sucked into these crossovers, although sometimes I read them anyway. Um, but the Spider Woman crossover has been. Every issue has been great, and the fact that Joel Jones was on Spider Woman, and it was about 
I had like this Kill Bill feel to it. Oh, absolutely. Um, that's that in the living room. That yes. scene there. Yes, absolutely. And I sat there the whole time thinking like, oh my gosh, they're going to start fighting and the yep. kids are going to show up and you're going to have to hide everything. And sure enough, <laughs> we got that. So I, I, it was just a really exciting, fun issue. Yeah, this is an event that doesn't feel like you're forced to buy these to get the story. You want to continue reading as each each book in its own series focuses on that lead character and just deepens the story. And then when we get to Spider-Woman Omega, I just can't wait. It's a month out. I'm, I was invested to begin with, and it's just paid off completely for me. The various writers are spot-on target character-wise. Are, are you buying all three books normally, Bob? Yep. Okay. So that obviously helps. <laughs> that helps. But if it were something that I wasn't interested in, uh-huh. I would yeah, yeah. back away. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the first issue that tied them together made so much sense. It was a ladies' day out to have brunch mm-hmm. on some other earth, and things go badly. But each of the book's tone is the way the regular book is. It doesn't feel beholden to the event as it does to the book itself and the relationships that have been set up between these characters before. This is kind of how you really do this, as far as I'm concerned. It is just glorious to read. The scale is perfect. Yes. It's it's not something that's earth-shattering or, you know, universe-altering. It's about, you know, these three women and how this one brunch, this one day can impact their lives forever. And I'll say that I started buying Silk and Spider-Gwen, and then I stopped, but now I'm buying them again. Nice. Because I, I really have to know. I have to know. I cannot wait six months for Marvel Unlimited to pick it up. They got you, Mara. <laughs> yep. They got you. They got me. They yeah. got me. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and Joey, I know, you, I know you're a big Hellcat fan. Yeah. So how, so how'd great you, issue. A great issue? Yeah, and I just noticed looking at the front that they have this little emblem that says yeah. P-W-A-H. It's not Paca, but it's close enough. It's Pua. And that's, Pua, that is the I suppose is good. That little globe, that was the old Atlas symbol from back right, in the 50s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it was cool. Um, the, it's so funny about the Ultimates with the, the, the myth of Sisyphus thing mm. because literally a week and a half ago, I was teaching... Albert Camus version of the really the Sisyphus to my sophomores. Yeah. And I open up the book and there it is. <laughs> the futility of life. It's right there. You know, uh, which is how I frame it for the 16 year olds that I teach, you know, the myth of Sisyphus. Um, so I was like, look, it's real life. And I showed it to some of my kids and they thought it was cool. Yeah. It was a great week for these kind of, um, off the walls, kind of back wall, uh, Marvel series, right. Uh, Puka, Miss Marvel, <laughs> Ultimates, these kind of weird books that are kind of just floating in their very distinctive atmospheres mm-hmm. were really great this week. Yeah, I, uh, I am just getting on to the Ultimates train. I, I read the first issue when it came out and loved it, mm-hmm. but kind of fell behind. But I have all six now, um, and I read the first three th- this week mm-hmm. and am really enjoying it. It, re- it really feels kind of like... I think you've said this before too, Bob. What I kind of want uh, an Avengers book Amen. to yeah. be, you know, um, and it doesn't matter that the characters are not sort of, or some of them are not what you'd think of traditionally as Avengers characters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we have a couple that are, and um, some that aren't. Uh, you know, the Blue Marvel is never going to be mistaken right. for a, a top of the line Avengers character in, in, in a lot of ways, but. Uh, the uh, problem someday. someday someday the problems they're solving and the way that they're solving them. Um, 
it feels very uh, Avengers to me, yeah, and, it, and I like that a lot. It's very smart. Yes, I very mean, smart. They're really taking huge leaps into mm. deep Marvel history. I'm not going to spoil this mm. latest issue with some of the other guest appearances, but the characters are so well done, so in character, and so many team books that falls apart. They're all just talking heads and stuff happens. No, everyone is who they're supposed to be, whether it, it's, it's Carol or Adam or, or T'Challa. Mm-hmm. It's just fun to read, and the consequences are literally universal. Right. And That's I will so read. Weird. I, I will love yes. weird stuff. <laughs> and I mean, it's great. You, I mean, when you're turning the pages and you get, you know, it's like, you know, regular single, single page, single page, and then you get those awesome widescreen panels that, uh, widescreen pages that, that Rockefeller is doing, uh, they're just very astoundingly beautiful pages of comic book work and i will anything with ms america i yeah. will i will read she's just yes. a great character and i love i love it. it's such a silly comic book thing i just love that when she punches her holes in the universe they're always in that star yes. shape yeah. uh, <laughs> i just think it's just a great thing and, and i love i love the reverence that the other characters have for her in in in, in the book mm-hmm. it's it, it's great to me and the galactus thing is really cool and weird and and I'm, I also really, I do really love whenever the Shi'ar are involved in in storylines. Yeah. I like their whole sort of hierarchy and culture, and you know, um, I, I I think you know, say what we will about the way that Hickman's uh, Avengers stuff wrapped up, but I, I now have like a much bigger affinity for Smasher. Is that what she's called? Yeah. Uh, than I ever had before mm-hmm. after reading the Hickman stuff because he he focused so much on those type of characters. So, um, and it's cool that she kind of shows up here and that, that sort of iconography is, is always, uh, very exciting to me. Um, more people should be picking up the ultimate. Yeah. That's what we're saying here. Absolutely. It's a great book, which Bob said that's what I mean. It's going to get canceled. Yeah, sad, <laughs> sadly true. Sadly, all the uh, books I talked about. <laughs> yeah. Canceled tomorrow. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'll put my three minutes on the clock and go here. So, um, international Iron Man number two, uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev uh, on this title. And I talked big about the, the first issue, and the second issue continues uh, being really, really great. Um, this kind of dual story of, of Tony as a sort of college age kid, and then you know the, the sort of more modern day Iron Man stuff just really works very well together. And it's fun to see Tony as still Tony, but not fully developed into sort of the completely brash and um motor mouthed and, and just you know constant smart ass that he is now um you can see the seeds of that but you also get to see some time with him and Howard and kind of uh, all this kind of stuff going on there and and just it, it was funny watching Iron Man 3 because Iron Man 3 deals sort of with the idea of uh very much the idea of like things you do in your past create your demons mm-hmm. of of the present right that's a big big theme of that and that that's what's happening here as well but for once it doesn't seem like it really it's, it's not really tony's fault so that's oh. sort of like a refreshing a refreshing thing that that's happening um there i know we're going to talk about both doctor strange books when we yes. get into bigger talk so we'll get into that uh justice league number 49 uh obviously running a couple issues behind everybody else r- right now um next last issue for, for for john's um there's just so much going on right now it's very difficult to talk about uh there's a lot of moving pieces a lot of characters a lot of villains going down and then new villains propping up and then those villains going down so many characters just league is teamed up now with the crime syndicate to try to stop uh monitor for, from you know take destroying the world because he destroyed their world before so we have them you know we have you know Owlman and and, and uh, ultraman and superwoman and 
uh, Superwoman's the whole Superwoman pregnancy thing that was going on in the previous mm-hmm. stuff is now coming to coming to a head here. Um, Grail stuff. My favorite stuff though, and it's it's so indicative of what Johns does best. My favorite stuff in the entire issue is the stuff with Mister Miracle and Barda. It's just like it's just he takes those characters that are like you know those little characters that nobody really thinks about and just does amazing things with them. So love that stuff. Scott Free has been a really great addition to to the whole uh, Justice League storyline stuff. Um, Sex Criminals number fifteen, which which I really really loved as well. Um, it's a shame, you know. I think the book's coming out every about two months at the, at this point. Uh, still great, still hilarious, still looks amazing, um, you know. But it's one of the things where, and Bob and I were talking about this before we recorded. It it, it really feels like uh, both Kelly Sue DeConnick and Matt Fraction are sort of. I don't know, on their last legs when it comes to writing comics. It just haven't been happening very often or very regularly. And it's it's a very sad thing to say. But, I mean, at least what we're getting from both as, as uh, it seems like they're winding down. Who knows what happens in the future ha- has been great. I still love Sex Criminals. Um, I just wish it came out um, m- more often. And quickly, um, no, never mind, quickly nothing. I'll talk about it in my, my bigger time. Ah, <laughs> nicely done. I saved one book for, for, for that. Uh but yeah, yeah. All right, so that's it for my my lightning round. Um, okay. Before, I definitely feel the same way about sex criminals. In, in, where it's kind of like it's so sporadic that it's hard to keep invested in these characters when you feel like the creator is going to leave at any minute now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, you definitely, it definitely is that feeling. While, while, while this thing's coming out. I mean, I think the last three issues have been more regular than the fact that I think they've come out every two months, like almost exactly mm-hmm. over the last couple of months, of the last like six months or something. But um, before that, there was a huge gap. I mean, it's been going on for what, four years now? And we're at yeah. 15 wow. issues. So there's obviously been a lot of big gaps and stuff like that, which is a shame because when it comes out, it's still awesome. It's still great. Yeah. Uh, it's still funnier and, and, uh, um, and, more interesting than almost every other book that that comes out, but it just doesn't come out often enough. It's just, you know, between publications, it's easy to forget that it's still coming out. Absolutely. Like, is it on break or is it out? Is it ongoing or are we volume waiting? Like, what what's the deal there? Yeah, and every that one issue where it was like bagged, and they were like, "Oh, one in one thousand has a dick pic drawn on it, right?" Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's when I was like, "Well, I don't want to open this because <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be." And then the next issue didn't come out for like four months, so I just totally blanked, and I haven't been able to catch up. And I have them all sitting on my my head, uh, my nightstand here, and, I, and I'm I desperately want to catch up because I know it's good, and I just you know I'm behind. Yeah, it, it's just one of those things, yeah. you know. It, it's one of those unfortunate comic book realities that happens every once in a while in the old days it was not likely mm. they threw something in one way or the other it will do a reprint <laughs> next month because the big two would just do that all right i don't get the story that finished last month or the month right. after that it'll be again <laughs> but it, with creator own books we love these creators so we follow yeah but you really yeah. just for the audience you you really want I want that kind of new. I want to know third week of every month this comes out and I can just wallow in it. Yeah. Just be there and, and, and absorb. Well, it turns from, oh man, Sex Criminals is, is out today to be like, oh man, Sex Criminals is out today? Holy, that's how it's published. 
when I when I saw it on the list when I when I saw it like on like the list for books that came out this past week, I was like, oh really? Okay. Like I, I but it's not something I even think about anymore. Yeah. It's a pleasant surprise. Yeah. It goes to to the book you most want to read, but it's I I want that every month. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. And the thing about both, I think. Matt and Chip is that they're very aware of the fact that it doesn't come out that mm-hmm. often. So in each of the last couple of issues, there's been very meta stuff where they're talking about in the book <laughs> the fact that the book is not coming out very often. And it's funny, don't get me wrong, yeah. but I'm just like, okay, like I'm I'm done. Let's have the book come out. <laughs> like, I, don't need, I don't need the commentary about how the book isn't coming out. Yeah. I just want the book to be out. Uh, yeah, if you know the problem, then you can make the steps to fix the problem. Yeah, so yeah, even if that's taking a month or two off to just get back in the swing, get yeah, a, get a rhythm together, and if it took yeah. a month or two off, I don't even know what would happen at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they'd ever come back at, at this point if it, they took a month or two off. But hey, we had Hawkeye issues come out out of order. We did. <laughs> we did. We did. Yeah. Classic. Classic indeed. Classic, Classic fraction. Classic yeah. fraction. Now, have, has anyone reread Hawkeye as a lump? I have not yet. It is incredible. I bet. It is, really? yeah. <laughs> it makes up for all those gaps and weirdness in between. It is just so sensational. Ugh. It's amazing. It's yeah. one of, it's, did they it, omnibus that? Is that omnibus yet? They did, yeah. yes. They did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, they did. Um, uh, oh, Mara, did you hear mm-hmm. the announcement from... Stepan Sejish this past week. About Death Vigil being graphic novel. Well, about he's going graphic novel only for everything that he does at this point. <gasps> I am okay with that. Like, that is perfect because that's how I want to read his work anyway. Mm-hmm. So, do you, um, I know he, he releases issue by issue Sunstone digitally. Is that what he does? On his website. On his I website, believe, yeah. yeah. Or yeah. on DeviantArt. On DeviantArt. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, are you okay with him not, do you read them that way, Mario, or do you wait till it's all together? I actually wait till it's all together. Okay. Like I get I get texts from Maria saying, "Did you read today's Sunstone?" I'm like, "No," <laughs> and don't don't tempt me because I like to read you know those stories in, in chunks, like you know every three to four months or however often they come out. I prefer it that way. Um, Death Vigil, I did read um, the first four issues and then month to month after that. But I enjoy Death Vigil better as a graphic novel, and I hope that. Um, Siobhan saying that he's going to do graphic novels only will inspire some of these creators to look at making graphic novels rather than ongoing trades or sorry, ongoing series. Mm-hmm. Um, because honestly, I feel like that might be the the future of our indie comics industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that one of the things he said, right, is he doesn't, he hates the, and he, you can go on his Twitter, he talks about this on his Twitter, but he hates the month to month sort of grind of not just the drawing and the writing of it, but the fact that he has to constantly be promoting every, mm-hmm. every moment. You know, there's new issues. That's going to so, be terrible. Yeah, so I've got to tweet about it. I've got to, I've got to write a post about it. I got to do this. I got to do that. But, and, and he'd rather just do it one, in one big lump when, when the series comes out. And I think that for books like Death Vigil and other people like him, which are very, well received critically and by fans, but don't sell a lot. Having doing one big splash every couple of months is is probably much better for the bottom line than having to go out there mm-hmm. every single month and try to compete in, in 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 a much broader landscape. Sure, you sell six seven thousand copies of a graphic novel at fifteen dollars. It is a better th- bottom line for that 
publisher than it is selling 3,000 of five issues or four issues. Absolutely, yeah. Even if it's less sales, there's yes. more profit dollar-wise, more attention to it. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a real review from maybe the Times, who does graphic novels, yeah. where an issue they're not. Mm -hmm. it, it's just more prestigious. It's a, it's a book yeah. at a certain level. Mm -hmm. And again, how many of these stories that we always talked about where it seems like the chapter breaks are artificial? Mm -hmm. An issue has to end here. We'll have gasp surprise that isn't much of a surprise you know but read together it's just a little pause before yeah. we move on to the story though i have to say i've been tempted to look at what sunstone number five is about <laughs> <laughs> only because of the, I'm, yeah i'm not gonna say anything but you know four has feels in it <laughs> yes yeah a lot of them a lot of feels <laughs> and you know what i'm just gonna wait because the payoff i mean he always pays off like yes. ever since I read that first one and waited for the second one and they waited for the third and waited for the fourth, I've always had the perfect payoff. So I'm going to trust in that. And in the meantime, just fill up on other things. Mm -hmm. The fifth one is in the previews. It was in stores last okay. week. So they're already soliciting it mm -hmm. for July, July. August. Yep. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, and this means we get more death vigil, which, yeah. which yes. didn't seem like a possibility like four or five months ago when he was basically, completely despondent on, on Twitter being like, it's over, it's done, you know, I'll never, I'll never do any uh, uh, this work again, but whatever. And then, you know, I think the re reception of when the trade came out was so good that, he, you know, they, they decided to go back and do more, which I'm so grateful for because that is one of my favorite things I've read in the whole time we've been doing this mm -hmm. whole thing was that Death Vigil, Volume 1. Need to see more Bernie. Mm -hmm. Yes, need to see more yes. Bernie. And the whole crew. More of the whole crew because the whole crew is great. Yeah. It's a really mm -hmm. wonderful book. Um... All right, before we jump into talking about comics in, in more depth, we have a couple of listener stuff oh. I want to throw out there. Um, this is from This John D. asks, as seasoned comic book readers, do you still get excited about Free Comic Book Day? Anything you're looking forward to? Mara. Well, that's a good question. Because um, I, I get my comics from a shop several hours and miles away from me and I just got the picture of everything I'm getting <laughs> for free comic book day. Um, and I think when he was asking, you know, what I was wanting, I was being very careful about what I asked for and things like that. And I can't even, I, I promise you, I cannot even remember what I requested, <laughs> but I got a stack coming. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, the, biggest draw to free comic book day is the community aspect of it mm -hmm. yeah. rather than the, the issues. And, and, and my position as someone who's, you know, two and a half, three hours away from her comic book shop, it's not so much the issues. It's, you know, after the fact I get them texting my comic book guy and, and texting my friends, like, you know, did you read this? What do you think about that? Et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. So I feel like, you know, it's not necessarily for me. And that's okay. It's not made for me. I mean, I already buy comics. I buy enough comics. Like, uh, chill. You don't. You guys don't need to market to me anymore. <laughs> In fact, stop putting out good stuff. Um, but as something, as an event, a community project or something for for families to get kids involved, to give them free comics, to get their 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 um, you know just dip their toes into this industry. I think it's more important that way. So, I, I get excited for it in that aspect but again like i don't even know what i'm getting and i just looked at the picture of it i'm like i don't know any of this stuff i'll read it <laughs> i'll talk about it but um it, it's not something that i mark on my calendar every year mm. 
Yeah, I mean, for me, Mar, it's it's sort of it's sort of similar now because I've kind of I don't have like a a home shop anymore that I, that I go to that sort of ended uh, last year in, in a lot of ways. So I used to love just going there on Saturday that that Saturday and just hanging out for a little while and talking mm-hmm. and and all that kind of stuff. But now it, that's the reason why I'm not very invested in it. I, I still think the idea is great. And there's some things that are coming out that I'm interested in. Definitely. There's sort of a, a bridge story between uh, the first volume of we can never go home uh, and the second volume, which is the black mask book mm-hmm. I talked about in conjunction with uh, four kids last week, same writer. Um, so I'm excited about that. You know, I, but the new comic book days have the stuff I always get more excited about is stuff I don't know that I, that's going to be cool. Yeah. Right. You know, you pick up that random book that just looks kind of cool and all of a sudden it has, you know, three or four little things in it that you're, that you're sort of I- I- excited about. So that's stuff I look forward to. Um, I still think it's a great idea. I just, uh, without the community aspect of it, I don't get incredibly excited for it anymore. Joey, right. what, what about you? Totally the same. Um, I, I never know what the books are going to be on, on free comic book day. Uh, I know that you can kind of find that and whatever, but like I genuinely like being surprised and you know, I live in Jersey city. It's a walking town. So me walking to my shop and seeing kids and families and you know kids of all ages adults whatever with those little plastic bags you know that's a free comic book day on it just walking around jersey <laughs> that's that's what i'm excited for mm. you know that's that's what makes it like oh yeah this is this is why we do this and it's great that it always kind of falls on this weekend of may and there's always a big movie out whether it's marvel or dc or whatever so um that's what i'm excited for saturday you know i hope the weather holds up but um that I think I think you guys are right. I think it's the community. I think it's bringing people out. I think it's getting kids involved and getting the kids excited and hopefully keeping them around for for years to come. Um, I think that's what I'm excited for going into to Saturday. What about you, Bob? Have to grab the Captain America issue mm-hmm. because it is the first Steve, mm-hmm. I guess, or at least a preview of that. After that, it's seeing what all ages stuff comes out. Some of that's always fascinating. There's usually a comic book legal defense bond book of one kind or another. It was yeah. Last, <laughs> last year there was one I think about the comics code, which was very interesting. Maybe it was two years ago. But what everyone's saying, I love being able to go to the store and seeing who's going on. So I'll hit at least two stores, two of our local stores. One's having so many guests, it's incredible to believe. Yeah, it's having Scott Snyder and Peter Tomasi. <laughs> at 10 o'clock in the morning, what? which means you got to line up at 8. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scott is from this area. He's, yeah. It's, like, it's, it's his, his local it's store. It's his local store, so he goes there all the time. He was there last year, too, and you couldn't even get in the building. Mm-hmm. So, want to be able, to, if I can get in, to say hi yeah, and yeah, thanks absolutely. and so on. But I met Marguerite Bennett there. Yeah. And she was not Marguerite Bennett yet. She had done some one-shots. She signed my one, uh, Lois Lane number one the Batgirl fill-in issue she did. So it's meeting new creators. The uh, local store here, Androids in Sayville, will have some creators from some smaller books and pop in there. They had, what were they saying to me the other day? You, you visited the store. Yeah. They, had, they had, I think, 2,200 people visit the store last year on Free Comic Book Day. Mm. Wow. And, and it's a brand It's a brand new store. It's a good only store, a couple too. of years good in. Shop. You a very good shop. And it's, I want to see some of that. Mm-hmm. I want to see what's going to go on, how they get all those people in. So... I'll hit the I'll hit fourth world hit there may even hit my regular local shop who doesn't usually participate. Mm. He's me. He's an old crabby guy. So he, <laughs> he he's a superhero comic book store. He does it as well as anybody does. Tons of back issues or whatever, but he still has those books. Just doesn't go nuts with the whole mm. thing. 
so it's it's fun to see the the disparity in some ways, but it's a it is about that community. This is the day where you see fathers and mothers passing along to their daughters and sons, and that's, yeah, that's neat. Um, and it's I mean, it's great too because most comic book shops have you know sales and deals going mm-hmm. on, so it's a great time to shop for books. And you know the, the thing about it is that the books are free for you, but the shop has to pay for them. So. First of all, don't try to take all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and second of all, if you're going to go get a couple of free books, buy something. You know, yeah. I mean, well, even if it's one single issue of something, buy something yeah. to, when you're on the door. Just, I mean, I, I think the, I think it probably obviously makes more money than it loses because people wouldn't keep doing it if, if it didn't. But you know, the, those shops are the small businesses; they need help. So if you're going in there and you're interested in something, just buy an issue of something. And, and if you're going to walk out with a couple of other books, um, hit those back buy issues we talked about. Yeah, support. Yeah, and, and if and just so you know, the big stuff is going to go very quickly at your shop, probably. So the Civil War two thing, you know, any DC stuff, all that stuff, it's going to go fast. So the Captain America thing will probably go pretty fast as well. So if you really want that stuff, you know, get there early, um, you know, early as you can because mm-hmm. you, you'll you'll miss it probably if you don't. Uh, Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. Vote early and often. Yes. <laughs> so uh, at Angel Cakes eighty three on, on Twitter asks, "I've been really into learning about colorless color colorists lately. Who are your favorite colorists?" Bob. Betty Brightweiser. Yes, oh, I met her. She's from Arkansas. All right. <laughs> nice. What does she yeah. What does she do? Help us out here. I don't know her. She does brew bakers. Brew bakers oh. things. Yeah. I first fell in love with her colors. She's during, so pretty. Uh, during Cap and, and the Winter Soldier run. Just is she doing, astounding. Is she doing Velvet? Yes. Oh, yeah. that is so great. And Criminal. So nice. the 10th anniversary special that came out, her name was on the front cover. Amazing. Dream team. Yeah. And she reminds me, she's got like that Fiona Apple vibe to her. Hmm. But just oh. a little bit. Like just a little bit of like that awesome girl grunge right. 90s Badass. vibe. But like really pulled together at the same time so a little bit of danger kind of, <laughs> yeah like little just just enough danger yeah and um so she's awesome and she's um she goes to a lot of the little rock cons around there very cool very cool bob jordy belair be at mm-hmm. the top of my list yeah. certainly but a name that we um, comes up here and there but laura allred mm-hmm. because michael's yeah. art as great as it is without what she does it absolutely pops and if that needs to be a pop art thing, as in art ops or whatever, or straight superhero stuff with Surfer, it's always in character. But this year, the, the revelation for me was her work on Lady Killer. Mm. We're now away from his pencils. She was even better. <laughs> because the colors in that book so set the tone of, of the mood with Joel Jones's artwork. Wow, just amazing. So Laura Allred for me, I think. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Wilson yeah. is definitely one yeah. for me. Um uh, obviously, um, Daredevil and then the Black Widow r- mm-hmm. right now doing just amazing, amazing work. Um, and Wicked and Divine, Wicked too. and Divine, yeah, obviously, just absolutely, unbelievably gorgeous work. It's one of those colorists where I, I think really, like Jordy Lipperweiser, really stands out. Like you can tell when they're doing the colors in in a particular mm-hmm. book, uh, for sure. Have you guys picked up the Image Plus book? No. Um, it's fantastic first off because it's just filled with interviews and things like that. Um, I think it's only available through comic book stores. Mm-hmm. I think that was kind of like the whole, you know, promotion of it, but there's a really good interview with Jordi Belair in it about 
being a colorist and how, you know, she felt like she wasn't a good enough artist to be a comic book artist. And now here she is making a name for herself as far as bringing these, these artwork to life Mm. through color. So, yeah, absolutely. There's also, um, Laura Martin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, does all the events has, has been doing like all the event books and those giant books uh, that Marvel was doing in like 2007, 2008, 2009, Laura Martin's name was on all of those books. She also did the colors for, I want to say astonishing X-Men, Joss Whedon and, mm. and John Cassidy's run. Um, I think so. Like even when it was, you know, five, six years ago when it was the boys club, Laura Martin's name was on those books, you mm. know? And that was, that was, that's something that, um, when when we talk about kind of like diversity in, in the in the in the on the creative side, and if you look at the charts, right? If you go back five years, like the colorists was was where a lot of female work, um, artists were working, you know. And obviously, it's it's getting a lot better, and we're seeing it everywhere. But Laura Martin was there, you know. And yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, a couple others for me too. I would just say. Um, Nathan Fairbrain, who did uh, he did the coloring for um, seconds, and I think mm. he did I think he did the color work on the Scott Pilgrim um, color editions, but he also did Multiversity, did Thunderworld, stuff like that. He, he's an amazing amazing colorist. Um, uh, Dave Stewart, who oh, has sure. done like every yeah. Mike Mignola thing ever yeah. at this point, <laughs> yeah, um, just continually great work. And uh, FCO Placienza, who did the work on Batman, the the Capullo Snyder Batman. Doesn't get enough credit, I think, for the color just, was so important in that yes. book. Yeah, and especially yeah. as we got to the like the from um, zero year on, uh, just became a much more colorful, much more uh, palette rich book. And I, I think that that work is it's only the, I think the rise of Capullo is directly connected with, with how good a colorist uh, FCO was. So, yeah, I mean, I think we mentioned it last week or whatever. We've been trying more and more of the, over the past year to talk about colorists as much as possible because I think it's incredibly important to, especially to understand just what, you know, what they do and how important they are to the, to the process. Um, Great question, Angela. Yes, absolutely. Um, so uh, this is Jacob Davidson asks, do you remember any panels that make you just say what? Like, huh? What is this? Uh, and he referenced something from Messiah Complex, which basically, I think it was Bobby Drake and uh, uh, Mystique. Mystique. Yeah. yeah. Sleeping together, basically. Um, so, and there a was a lot of stuff from Messiah Complex <laughs> made me say that. I think. So, so, Bob, I'm sure you have something. For me, it's the last page or two of the first Thunderbolts, mm. where you had these characters who you saw as heroes for the whole book, and the last page reveal is the leader is Baron Zemo, and they're all villains. Mm. <laughs> there was an internet then, but nobody knew it was a complete shock. It's holy crap they did this <laughs> the other one would be at the end when they did dc versus marvel same sort of period where all of a sudden there was an amalgam universe mm. where the books everything collided and the next month there were no marvel or no dc books there were amalgam books <laughs> great sign, <laughs> sign me up i had no idea this was coming and i i want to read super soldier books where it's cap and superman mm. mushed together or Amazon, where it was Storm and Wonder Woman as, as one character. Not going to have that stuff anymore. Spoilers galore everywhere, but yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Cool stuff. Absolutely. How about Absolutely. you? Yeah. Um, for me, um, you know, it's tough because I, I feel like definitely 
the like things that would have been those things for me mm-hmm. got ruined by previews and all that, mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Like the death of Damien definitely would have been yeah. one of those moments. I think Mara I'm so actually sorry. ruined. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I was, How many years has it been? It's been a lot of years. I wasn't even thinking about that until I just said it about about you. So there was, if you don't know that story, there's like a, when Damien died, it wasn't, it wasn't previous. They talked about the New York Post or whatever, but I had, you know, it seemed like, oh, spoilers, Batman Corporate, and I've been avoiding them. And then I, when I, I, sitting out the, the weekly review list, Mark wrote back, she's like, I think I'll do Batman Corporate. I really want to see what's up with this Damien death thing. <gasps> oh. oh. I was like, Mara, you're killing me. <laughs> and now she's on the show. I know. It only took I'm just spoiling only... things for everyone. <laughs> Spoil that for me, and then four years later, you can be on the show. Um, uh, but you know, for me, it's one of the things where one of the things I think about that is not even. It's from a series I don't even particularly love, and I, I don't even know if the moment is great. But when in Avengers versus X Men, there's the the midpoint where uh, it switches, and like the the Phoenix gets split between Cyclops mm-hmm. and. Uh, Emma, Emma Frost, and and uh, I forgot who else. Samariner, so, isn't it? Yeah, Samariner. I think yep. those four. That was definitely a moment where I had been very down, sort of on on the series. And that moment, I was like, "Whoa!" Like this just completely flipped the the game mm-hmm. on whatever this is going to be. And you know, however this turns out, this is a really interesting moment. It was visually very, very well done. I remember as well. So that's one of the things I remember uh, from that. Uh, Mara, do you have one in mind? I wish if I had a little bit more time with this question, I could probably come up with something meaningful and, you know, emotional. But all I can think of is this one panel from Legion of Superheroes where Timberwolf (laughs) is drawn in this really weird way that he's bent backwards. And I can see like parts of his body that shouldn't be showing while he's bending in this direction. And like it was one of those that, you know, you're reading the series and you're like, what the hell is going on in this panel? <laughs> why is he flipping this robot over his head? And why does he look like that? So unfortunately that one actually stuck out to me. Um, but one panel that I actually took a picture of and have saved in my phone for uh, past couple of weeks is one from Wonder Woman from 1942, where Etta Candy is taking out a room full of lady goons and Wonder Woman's like, Etta, you're amazing. You're wonderful. And like her giant fat arms are swinging around. And she goes, of course I am. I'm awesome. I owe all my success to Candy. And she's got like one woman in a headlock and she's beating another one with her arm. And like, I was like texting this to my mom. Like, mom, I found your comic book, uh, Spirit Animal. Because my mom, she's like, like maybe 110 pounds like she's mm-hmm. tiny but she eats candy all day long and <laughs> she starts talking about how you know eating candy for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner i'm like mom let me introduce you to Eddie candy here's a panel this is your life now you have to get your mom a holiday girls sweatshirt <laughs> i do i think she would really like it yeah uh joey what about you uh i i can't like there are so many from walking dead the the actual comic book series that I think fit this description well. Um, some really shocking and, and crazy moments from that book. And it's been going on for like 120, 130 issues. And, and they, they, they still manage to, sh- Robert Kirkman still manages to, to shock you every once in a while. Um, though some of the, in, in Brubaker's cap run, um, uh, I mean, I guess the story's from 2007. So like the, the, the cap, Cap assassination after Civil War. Mm-hmm. Shocking. And they do it on page three, you know? 
And then at the end of that book, Captain Tw- Captain America 25, the kind of flashback reveal of, of who pulled that trigger is just shocking and amazing. And I remember saying, even, the, even though I had read it after it was originally published, the execution there was just so good. And, and similar to Mara, like I can go back into my boxes and pull out the X-Men comics from the last 10 years. And <laughs> so many weird things have happened in those books that, that I, could, I could point to. But um, that cat moment still stands out to me. Hmm. Um, so this is this was a, less a question and more a comment, but I think it sort of has a question. I would like Bob. I would like your opinion okay. on this. So Carol Cross, uh, who's at Key, Kinky Comic Girl, said started reading the latest Uncanny X Men. It's great. I really don't know the problem Talking Comics has with Greg Land. To each their own. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I will say that I will say, and having read. Greg, they, keep, they keep putting Greg Land on X Men books, so yeah. I read Greg, I read so many Greg Land books <laughs> that he was illustrating. And um, every once in a while, there's a panel or a sequence that is, and then every once in a while, something is totally askew with what's happening in, in something that he draws. And uh, yeah, the, the the photogenic kind of quality of it, I think, is divisive, if you will, the photorealism. Yeah. So, Bob, he, the, the thing of it is, not only is it photorealistic, they are often traced from real, <laughs> real photo. No, look, this is a time-honored tradition in comics. It's the swipe. And if you go back into the 40s, Sheldon Moldoff's Hawkman were basically panel swipe from Alex Raymond's Flash Gordon over and over and over again. Prince Baron of the Hawkman was now Carter Hall. With just a different belt on. It was just pretty amazing. And artists kept whole files of stuff. Greg Land, and why it's, it's, it's jarring sometimes, the faces don't look exactly the same panel to panel yeah, as, yeah. as we change who he's tracing or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting technique that gets into some real problems when some of the images are from porno movie covers right (laughs) yeah so it gets kind of icky now that said his work on the ultimate avengers Mm. took a leap upwards Mm. and his spider woman even though the first five were it was a cheat because it was it was a mini series that wasn't it was the spider verse whatever was going on his art started to look as if he was really really trying to be Greg Land and not be all those people he was swiping from or borrowing from. Right. And there, there really is a great artist there if he applied himself. And so I'm happy to see that it looks as if he turned the page, no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, reading uh, Future Imperfect, the Secret Wars tie-in. Yeah, that, that was great. He did a great job. Like, that was like, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you that was Greg Land mm-hmm. for the for the most part, and so I think I, I can't judge Uncanny uh, X Men because I haven't read that what he's doing with Colin Bunn. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it, so I haven't even looked at it, so I can't even judge. But I, I agree that the same problems I have with them were the problems you're talking about. But I will give him credit when I read Future Imperfect. I thought there were some really beautiful pages in that in that book, um, way more. But because like his art had made me turn me off from other books, and not because I this is back before I knew that there was a Greg Land thing you know i yeah. didn't know that there was a thing with him i didn't know there's the tracing thing the issue i just i would not like his iron man stuff with gillen when they when when they did marvel now the first time half of the reason or more than that I dropped that book was that i just the art i couldn't I, there was no expressiveness on the faces mm-hmm. i wasn't getting the i wasn't getting emotion conveyed um through the art at all so that was my main problem it was sort of lifeless very lifeless and yeah. that, i think that's the biggest problem i always had 
in the past with him is that there's there's a lifelessness to to the stuff that that he did uh, for me. Well, um, you had a hearty laugh about Greg <laughs> Land, so you, please weigh in here. I remember there was one panel from probably Uncanny X Men or something else he was doing, New Mutants maybe, and he did Warlock. Um, and you know, it's it's not a human, right? He's this kind of robotic character, and it was gorgeous. <laughs> Absolutely gorgeous. And and how it was illustrated, it was kind of this non uh, it was this mechanical entity and it was I don't know, maybe that's just his wheelhouse and mm. that's what he should be doing. Maybe that's the weird stuff would be great for him instead of trying to, you know, create this expressiveness in, in, in the human physique. I don't know. Yeah. So stuff you can't trace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually draw. Mara, what about you? There was and I cannot for the life of me remember what it was tied to, but it was a picture of the thing. And it was a Greg Land art, and it was part of a book. And it was one of those where you're like, okay, something's off about this picture. And you start to look, and you realize that he, the thing is not on the floor. Like, he's drawn, <laughs> like, half the foot's up the wall, and one half's on the floor, but it's supposed to be like he's standing. It's a really weird layout. And I was like, who did this art? <laughs> I go back, and it's like Greg Land. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, well, whatever. Um, but that's, that's one artist where... He's never driven me off a book, but I don't seek him out as an artist mm. to follow, like Fiona Staples or something like that. Mm. Mm. So, so I'm still reading the Uncanny X-Men, um, mostly because I like Colin Bunn. But if Greg Land was on it or off it, it wouldn't make a difference to me. So. All right. But, you know, there's a reason why he's still hired and there's a reason why people still like him. And that's OK. Just, you know, different different strokes for different folks. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so let's see. Okay. Current non-superhero book that could make the next great TV show or movie. Lazarus. Lazarus. <laughs> I agree with you, Mara. For sure. <laughs> Lazarus. Like, for sure. Flapping my hand so hard. Right <laughs> I'm like, it's got to be Lazarus, guys. Let's put all our mojo behind it. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do for Lazarus what we did for Hamilton, obviously. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yes. They're going to announce casting and, and, and a start date for a Lazarus TV show tomorrow now because of this. Uh, Joey, you had an idea. I think you got cut off. Uh, I just pitched Saga because you guys were talking so highly of it before. Uh, I would love to see Wicked and Divine or Criminal. I think those are rife with great ideas for. Yeah, absolutely. I, Giant Days, I think, would, would make Giant it. Days! <laughs> yes! <laughs> New issue. New issue today. Yeah, yeah. What number are we on now? 13, 14? What are we on? 14. 14. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to start reading that month to month now. I've got 13. So you I gotta. Think, yeah, I think I'm going to Just bought the first trade. Nice. And the second one's on order. All right. So Bob's getting catch, in the game. Catching up. <laughs> uh, what about you, Bob? You got any ideas? Paper Girls. Paper Girls. Oh, yeah, definitely. Ooh. That'd be a good one. I miss Paper Girls. Is that coming back soon? I don't even know. What's the deal? Do we know the deal? Later summer. Later, Later summer. Later in the summer. So far away. Yeah, I know, I know. It's so far away. We can reread the other five. It's true. I did already. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> okay. Um, and this, actually, so this isn't a question, but someone, Frank Carney, one, tweeted at us and said, I remember you all mentioning the disservice of experiencing uh, Silver Surfer number 11 digitally. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then he actually retweeted a thing that Dan Slott, uh, tweeted, which was like the difference between what it looks like on the digital page mm-hmm. and what it looks like on the comic book page. Um, yep. Yeah. Go Frank. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, we'll let him vote next year. Yeah. <laughs> Bob's never going to never, never give you, Joey. Never. I was just hey, looking man. over the ballots after last week's show. It was right there. Could have won. Um, I hold grudges. You'll find that out. Uh, <laughs> so I uh, we'll get to some more maybe later, but I want to tell you about my, my comicsology story from this week. Oh. I have a little story. So... Um, I made my Comixology account way back, like when I first got my iPad, and so it was it was all tied to my um, my, my Apple account. And so, but then when it kind of separated, I I had my own, and then I merged it with my Comixology account. Now it was you can merge your Comixology account with your Marvel account, so that any books, like any books you redeem with the digital codes, can will all be in your Comixology account. Um, and at some point, I, I, I must have created. Um, I think it, when it first started, you could sign in to the Marvel app. With your Comixology account, and it created like a a, a Marvel account, oh. um, and so they were linked. I I haven't. I somehow made another Marvel account that like I, I almost mm. all of my codes I ever redeemed are are on. It's like my just it's just my name instead of like a screen name. Yeah. Um, it's my what my Marvel Unlimited is under, and I was sitting there and I, and I kept having to go back and forth between the. Comicsology app and the Marvel app to read the books, and I was like, "This is weird. They should be they should be syncing up." And you can look at the account, and it says like, "Oh, it's synced with your Marvel account," but it doesn't give you any other information. That it's just like a like a, a like a like a badge that says wow. you did it, man. Yeah. And so I'm like, "Okay, I'd like to know what account this is linked with." And there's no way to unlink it in the app. So I, oh. I I wrote a message to Comicsology and said, "Hey guys, look, um, I don't know what's up with this, but I have all these books in my Marvel app. They're not showing up in my Comicsology app." I said it might be possible that I have another Marvel account that I that I don't know how to access because I can only access this one and it has all my books on it. And they're like, "Well, we can do a one-time only unlink between your Marvel account and your mm-hmm. Comicsology account, and then you can link it back up with the other one." And I was like, "Okay." I was like, "I don't really understand why that's a one-time only thing. Like, shouldn't I get to do whatever the hell I want? Yeah, I own all mine. of it, yeah. you know." But you know, I was like, "Okay, it's fine. Great. Thank you so much for getting back to me." Um, okay, great. So he goes, okay. And he comes back and goes, oh, sorry. Uh, you already merged your Comixology account with your Amazon account, so we can't switch the Marvel link because it's already merged with your with your Amazon account. So what we can do, you, you can either, we can either take all the books from your, the one you have most of your books on and merge it back with that old account so they'll all be on the old account and the sync will stay. Or we can, un- we can unmerge your Comixology account from your Amazon account Unlink your Marvel account, relink the new Marvel account, and then you can remerge them again. Uh, and I was like, okay, do I lose anything if I unmerge the Comixology uh. from Amazon? And they're like, no, 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 you don't lose anything. You just have to reset your password and do it again. I'm like, okay. I was like, we're going to do that because I have no freaking clue what my password <laughs> is or how to, how to recover the other one because the email address I use for everything would only give me the one I'm currently using. So I don't know how that Marvel account became a thing. I don't know what it's linked to. Yeah. I, I can't imagine what email it's linked to because I was always I was using this Gmail account I have now for everything, and it's not linked to any of the Talking Comic Books accounts. Mm-hmm. I don't know what where the hell it's linked to, but I have no way to access it. I wrote to Marvel to be like, "Hey, I don't know how to access this." They never got back to me. So okay, let's do this thing. So he goes, "Okay," he goes, "You're unmerged," um, and we we, we merge the accounts. I'm like, "Great, perfect." So and then I so then I remerged my Comixology and Amazon accounts, good to go. All my purchases showed up, all my all, all the codes I just redeemed were, were in there. I was like, perfect, awesome. I can just go to this one place now. Then uh, very graciously, 
Bob gave me his digital code for Doctor Strange Last Days of Magic. Uh, and I was like, great. So I redeemed it. And then I opened up my, and then I was like looking at my app, I my app, my Comixology app, and it wasn't there. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I signed into my Marvel account, the one I'm using. I, I, I redeemed it. It said success, redeemed. So I'm like, let me go just make sure it's in my Marvel account, just to make sure. I signed in my Marvel account, went to the comics tab on the website, clicked my books. It spits me back out to a sign-in page. I'm like, oh, maybe it's being extra secure. I'll just sign in. <laughs> I would sign in. It would just keep looping me back to the sign-in page, wow. and I wasn't putting in the wrong password. It wasn't giving wasn't giving me that <laughs> error because I I could sign into my Marvel Unlimited account perfectly fine, or to like the front page of the Marvel.com page just fine. So I'm like, okay. So then I I have to write back to Comicsology and go, hey guys, look, um, for some reason I can't now I can't access my Marvel account. I've redeemed codes and they're just gone. I was like, and I like highlight, I like cut and paste the section from the email the guy had sent me telling me what he was gonna do. You know, to to, un- to unlink my original Marvel account, relink the new one, blah blah whatever. So I get an email back, and I will say this for their credit, it was a complicated process. I'll say this: their customer service was was answering me within minutes every time I sent them an email. So that that was very nice. So he goes, "Oh God, I'm so sorry. Uh, he never relinked the <sighs> the uh, the new Marvel account. I think he just like transferred the purchases over, but didn't link the uh, accounts together. Um, he's like, I have to. So I, we have to unlink it again." <laughs> We have to unmerge your account again, so you have to reset your Comixology password and then relink it again back to your Amazon thing, and then you should be done. So I relinked it, did all the stuff, reset my password, um, relinked it to Amazon, and Doctor Strange popped up. Nice. So I think we're all good now. <laughs> oh, gosh. You exist. I exist. What a story. But I had a real moment when that, with the Doctor Strange when I was like, they destroyed my, they destroyed my Marvel yeah. account. It's gone. This Doctor Strange book is gone. It's just like it's in some it's in some Marvel account that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I'm stuck. It's stuck in some weird limbo. Uh, and it was just this, it was it wasn't a stressful experience at all because it was very quick. But I have eight or nine password reset emails in, in my email account from Comixology. How do you come up with that many passwords? I, well, the good thing about it wasn't like you can't use last password. I just kept yeah. using the same password oh, over okay. and over again. Um, cause I was like, I'm not, cause if I put, do a different password, I'm never going to remember it. And then I'll have to do this all over again. Uh, but yeah, but now we're going, we're really, is, we're, we're, who is the man who made this strange phantom Marvel account? It was me, yeah. but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I did it because I know, because I remember like years back now, uh, like three years ago or something when I was going to Israel, I got all these digital codes, like a, took all my Avengers codes, mm. all these Wolverine the X-Men codes, and put it in my iPad because I wasn't going to carry all this stuff on the plane. And I was like, okay, for some reason, like, I-, I guess this is my, I signed in with this email address and the password. It took me this this account and I logged everything in. And then for some reason it wasn't linking up and I just never thought about it. You know, I was like, maybe I'll update at some other point. So I must have just like signed in with a different sign in at that point, but I, I have no idea how I signed in the first time. Yeah. I have no idea how to find it, and it's driving me mad. I don't understand. Just try every combination; it'll pop up somewhere. Because I think the other thing, too, the problem too, is even if I get the password right, in the last like six months, Marvel has like locked all accounts that haven't changed their password in a while because they have oh. new security measures. So it goes like, okay, we've set, it goes okay, it goes you have to reset your password. We've sent a reset link to your email address associated with this account. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. Yes. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. I have no idea where this is. I really think I created it using my Comixology account or using my Apple account, 
but that email address is linked to this my regular email, so I don't know where it goes. It's just some in some weird some database somewhere it is just freaking out because it has these multiple things in it at once. You're gonna get a weird email. I know. I don't I know, know where this is. I know. Hey, you yeah. haven't you haven't bought any books lately? Yeah. Well, huh? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's all good now. Yes, that that's the important thing. We're all good now. Yeah. Um, I say that I told that story to lead us into talking about some comics again, and also I'll throw in Joshua Tucker at Josh on Comics tweet here. Can anyone help? Where does this fit into current run of Doctor Strange? The 001 is throwing me, and that's Doctor Strange, Last Days of Magic. So, it Bob, is, let's talk about Doctor Strange. Zero zero one. Yeah, let's talk about Doctor Strange. Well, in the regular book, and this does come before issue number seven. It does, because the end of issue, Last Days of Magic says, now read issue seven. Is a, yeah. I was like, well, I did that wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and no one knew unless you yeah. picked them up and I just happened to scan through. Mm-hmm. There's an attack on all the magic on the... Prime Marvel Earth. What is Marvel Earth called at this point? Ooh. Is it Prime Earth? Prime Earth. I think so. I, Earth Prime is a DC thing. Yeah, so it's Prime Earth. Prime Earth. Ugh, well. There you go. And it's the Imperakill. And what we have there is it's a witch hunt in the grandest sense of it. It's people who are very, very pro-science, who you read about in number seven. And what Last Days of Magic is, is a, a great framing sequence by Jason Aaron. And we have where I wrote it down, and now I can't see my own handwriting. <laughs> oh, uh, Leonardo Romero. It's Zelma Stanton, who we met in the first couple of issues, who's a librarian from the Bronx who's helping Doctor Strange sort his books out. And she's reading through all these books about all these mages who are under attack. And so we go through the roster of... Artist. So we, we we meet El Medico Mystico, who's basically a Mexican wrestling <laughs> sorcerer supreme running through the pyramids of South America. We get a Dr. Voodoo story, and that's Jerry Duggan and... Danilo Beirut. Beirut. Yes. Very good. And then we have James Robinson doing the woo, mm-hmm. which is actually the august woo of the, the, the Coral Coast, I think is how this this works. And we then go to her daughter, who is Alice Gulliver, who's sort of sort of like Rowan Black from Black Magic, in that she's also a policewoman who controls all these sort of magic powers. In the midst of this, we get a Siberian mystic. We go down some other oddball places in Doctor Strange's house. You don't really need this to read number seven, but it's such a great amplification of what's been going on through as and percolating through the books as we go. The artwork by everyone involved here is absolutely stunning. The various stories are all in keeping with Jason Aaron's, which has been, it's grim and there's consequence, but it's hilarious at the same time. It's just sort of Doctor Strange's offhand way of looking at the world because he's seen everything in this world and everything else at this point. It is just quirky and weird and absolutely wonderful. What did everyone else think of Last Days of Magic before we get into number seven? Did any... I know I read it. Did any either of you guys read it? I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not... like The Doctor Strange comics, I've just been reading it. I haven't really been like invested in it. I think that's part, part of the reason is this is my first time with the character. So I'm still trying to get to know who Doctor Strange is and and what kind of stories are attached to him. So the Last Days of Magic kind of, I guess it's a one-shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I, th- I thought it was good. I, I liked the framing of it 
where the different books had these stories in them and they were attached to um, kind of the same thing going on. So as far as a one shot, I, I liked it. Joey, did you read it? I did not. Did not. Okay. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. You know, how much was it? This was only, only five ninety nine. <laughs> so I, I, here's the thing. I don't think it's worth $6. So I, I agree. I'll, I'll put no. that out there right there. It's not worth $6. Um, luckily, I got it for free because Bob yeah. gave me his code. Um, but uh, you know, for me, it's not a it's not a six dollar book. I mean, it, it was it was really cool. Don't get me wrong, but for a side thing from the main series, and especially following up what last month we had a six dollar mm-hmm. Doctor Strange book, I think it's a little bit much for for, for that. Uh, I came away with the thinking, like you said, Bob, all the artists, I I would like to see more work from them in in other books on, on a more regular basis. Uh, I thought the framing device one was very sort of Samney esque. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- type of work, um, which I thought was really cool, and I I really liked the little stories. Like I I thought the I, I thought the El Magico Mystico yeah, one was yeah. a little it was a little bit fluffy and light, but I think that was kind of the point with with, with that one. Other than the fact, that, of course, that they're all getting killed uh, at, at some point or the other. Uh, I loved the Brother Voodoo one. I thought that one was really really cool. I, I liked the 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 like the Pym particle stuff and, and, and all this kind of stuff. Thought that was really really cool. Um. My favorite thing in it was like what I thought was the most ridiculous thing in it was the was the Mahatma Doom. Thing, yes, yeah. which was like this like good version of Doctor Doom yeah. that was created to balance out how yeah. evil Victor Von Doom was. Well, he's one of the monks who gave mm. Doctor Doom right. his armor and everything else back in the day. Sure, yeah. I thought that was ridiculous and and kind of awesome. Um, and but one of the things that the thing I liked most about it really was the fact that the I I think the villains, um, the Empiricil, mm. are very interesting and. Their, their mission is obviously very serious and, and very oh, sort of dire, but they're ridiculous looking enough where it, it's sort of like they've got this heightened, very comic book feel to it. I mean, they yeah. all sort of look like the robot in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, yeah, it's <laughs> more of the paranoid android. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah. wonderful. <laughs> that's them. Shooting beams out of their face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and the and the lead, like, you know, bad guy, whatever, he kind of like, he kind of looks like Karnak a little bit to me. Like, has a little bit of that, like the, yeah. the faces. But... Uh, I think the the idea behind the villain is is really interesting and and weird. We, I like when Jason Aaron gets weird, and then this is definitely a weird thing going on. So I think it's a good book. I just think that it's not worth the six dollars that no. that is being charged. And again, for it. you can bypass it entirely yeah, and just yes. go, stick right with the book. Mm-hmm. But you'll miss well, who are these characters tied to these poles who yeah. are about to get mm-hmm. burned at the stake? Because the the story of our original. Imperakillers, I guess you want to call them, Hieronymus and Abadona. It's they're sort of the Jarell and Lara of yeah, yeah. The, the, this weird setup because they send their little boy away, who then grows into this hideous, ball-headed, <laughs> leading monster. Yeah. They're all his little doom bots, mm-hmm. or whatever. And you, you've got Shoma Garoth in the background, Robert E. Howard's yeah. sort of Cthulhu-esque thing. You know, he, he was part of that Lovecraft circle, so that's all going on. Magic is under attack, and there's one character who tries to do the right thing here. doesn't mm-hmm. turn out to <laughs> particularly well. But we're setting up this great battle, some of the, the lesser... We have magic from mm-hmm. the X-Men. We have... I think Brotherhood is definitely going to show up, which yeah. is nice. I wouldn't doubt that Alice Gulliver will show mm-hmm. back up again, yeah. because I think she's a great character. I would imagine that that's the reason why you 
do these stories is because mm-hmm. they're going to be end up being a part of the of the bigger story. Wanda, of course, is is is, is part there of things. Uh, shaman from mm-hmm. Alpha Flight? Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a big battle, and I think we'll we'll put everything back together. Yeah, again. yeah, totally. But it has been a great ride so far, and let's hope it sticks. Doctor Strange has had a very spotty history mm. in books. Initially, lasted a long time in Strange Tales, and then it's been miniseries and failed books and right. The attention to the character from the movie, I, and this book has been incredible. Uh, Bachelot's art, oh God, Aaron, Aaron's story, yeah. just just amazing. So, price problems aside, yeah, really good book. Well, I mean, Doctor yeah. Strange, yeah. the main series, like number seven, which came out this, this number seven, yeah. right, came yep. out this week. Back to uh, regular pricing, three yeah. nine, three ninety nine, but still worth every penny. That that book is amazing. Yeah. I, I love that book. Yeah. Uh, the art. Is unbelievable. The bachelor art is just—it's mm. so gorgeous, uh, breathtaking. I think like the the panel layouts, the design, and his colors too, and his colors too. Everything about it is just gorgeous to me. Um, and I I love the idea of the sort of okay they've they've sort of like killed a lot of the major power centers, mm-hmm. but there there is magic hiding in little places, and we have, we have to go and, and, and find it. Uh, we have to be scrappy, we have to be resourceful, and we can't just rely on everything we always relied on. We have to really dig deep to, to, mm-hmm. to find a way to defeat these, these, these beings, and I like that a lot, and I liked how they got that idea from that character, that, that little character kind of standing up yep. to, to the guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I love it. I think it's great. You brought some books with you, though, Bob. Yes, because I, I'm... One of me and Fred Hembeck, I guess, who just records. I'm a big Brother Voodoo fan, so I have the original one, Strange Tales, which ended, and then picked back up with one sixteen Strange Tales featuring Brother Voodoo, the senses shattering superhero who died yet lives again. He, he lived for four issues basically, and they canceled him. But it was a, it's a set in, you know, that culture. We have a a non-believer uh, a. A doctor, Jericho Drum, who goes back to his homeland and discovers that well, this voodoo thing that he didn't think was real—that's a is good name. That's a really Jericho good name. Drum. That's a really yeah, good yeah. name. Jericho Drum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his late brother Daniel helps him in this. He's floating around, and eventually, I, I even also should look. I have some Rick Remender books here because he did <laughs> Doctor Voodoo, Avenger of the Supernatural, when he became part of the New Avengers back in in that whole run. Mm. Yeah, under Bendis. Yeah, it's a great character who's never gotten enough press. Really, he has a kind of a weird-looking outfit, sort of yes. a snakeskin snakeskin vest and capris, <laughs> which is you know interesting. But it it was a different exploration back then. You weren't really allowed to do horror, and that had just come back with the change of the comics code in '71. So this is seventy. Three, I guess it is. Let me see. I can't even read the thing. It is September 73. Hmm. See, I was actually right for a change. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and we have zombies and voodoo, and that hmm. you couldn't have had you couldn't have had voodoo on a cover of a book <laughs> two years before that. So Marvel had embraced that with Dracula and Werewolf and Ghost Rider and the Son of Satan. So voodoo, look, Satan is much worse than voodoo. So we we okay. you know we we could go there. Fun character, Gene Colan Art, Len Wein. I believe it is Len Wein. Yes, it is Len Wein. Mm. Wein? Wine. Bobby, you would know better than I would. I've said it both ways and been corrected for both. So, Len Wein I think Wein. Let's go with Wein. Wein, yeah. 
And he always had a, a great storytelling flair, great characterization, and it's a great little character. I'm sure these Brother Voodoo's are on Comicsology or the Marvel Unlimited Marvel Unlimited, app. probably, the guess, yeah. yeah. And so it might be fun to check out what people were doing 40-odd years ago. This one page in, in, with Brother Voodoo, like the page where you see his like, workshop or whatever, yeah. is so incredibly detailed. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, big ups to that, to that work. Uh, Mara, you got cut off during your, your lightning round time. What, what other stuff did you want to talk about? All new Wolverine number seven. Ooh, haven't read that the one. Crossover. Oh, crossover. Squirrel Girl's in it. No. And I <laughs> yes. missed it. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. I'm have to go get that one. And it is amazing because Squirrel Girl shows up to tell Laura, you have wronged the squirrels. <laughs> you have done wrong. And apparently in a recent fight, um, Wolverine wasn't careful enough, and a squirrel's home was destroyed, and a father is missing. <gasps> so tracking with a nut borrowed from the family of squirrels <laughs> to find the squirrel father, and it like the the composition of this this issue is fantastic because you see Logan Wolverine talking to Laura Wolverine saying, "I'll be back. You stay here with the X Men. This is your home now." Laura saying, I don't belong here. I want to go with you and him leaving her. And then you have that mimicked with Laura and Gabby, her clone, who is younger and still trying to figure out who she is in this world. And Laura saying, you stay here. I need to go find where the squirrel dad is. And Gabby's <laughs> like, I want to come with you. Uh, so it was it was a fantastic issue. It was really lighthearted compared to how heavy the first arc was. With the clones and the dying and the fighting and the, you know, torture and, and stuff like that. And to have one where Squirrel Girl shows up holding a live Wolverine so that Wolverine can communicate with the Wolverine. Yeah. Apparently because that's her frame of reference for how these superheroes <laughs> named after animals work. Um, it was a plus fantastic issue. Really fan. Like I laughed the whole time and I was like, I need more Wolverine Squirrel Girl team ups especially since they're both kind of the same um, age, mm. apparently. And then um, I read a Fantagraphics graphic novel this past week, um, one that was one of the Eisner nominations. I've been reading a lot of the Eisner noms lately, but this one really stood out to me. It's called Displacement, and it is by Laura, um, I believe it's pronounced Nisley? I'm not sure. K, let me see if I can find the spelling real quick. K-N-I-S-L-E-Y. So I'm thinking it's Nisley, but it's a graphic novel memoir of the author who goes on a cruise with her grandparents who are over 90 years old. Hmm. And the idea being that these, this set of grandparents decided to go on this cruise and it's like, well, this is our last vacation. <laughs> like they're really, really lighthearted about it. And they're old people. They, they don't hear very well. They don't see very well. They can't be out in the sun. They can't sit too long and, you know, the granddaughter's like, what the hell are we supposed to do on this cruise? Like, you can't read. You don't want to watch TV. You can't sit too long. We can't go outside. You don't want to swim. And so it's, it's kind of her way of, um, well, the reason she's on the cruise is because they're so old. They need someone with them. Sure. And so she takes this free vacation paid for her family, but she's taking care of her grandparents and stressing out about travel arrangements. And her grandpa wets his pants constantly. I mean, he has no bladder control, so she's trying to learn how to take care of him. And Grandma uh, kind of has dementia and forgets that 
well, the granddaughter already packed up all the clothes. She calls the police on on the cruise ship to tell them that her luggage was stolen. It's just really heartbreaking, but funny at the same time. And there's a lot of, you know, that, that perfect balance of, yes, let's laugh at this situation, but also realize that this is a, a very real situation for these people. And, you know, we all will go through it at some point caring for elderly relatives and just trying to remember to have that, um, that strength and that selflessness and putting someone else's needs ahead of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it is on a cruise ship and you're supposed to be having fun, remembering that, you know, thinking about grandparents or elderly relatives and, and their well being and, and what they remember from their trip. Yeah. And then one last thing, cause I haven't talked any manga yet. <laughs> um, the third volume of this series called horror Mia came out and it is a total shoujo romance series about a girl named Hori, who at school is this very popular, well-liked, almost kind of perfect girl. And this boy named um, Miyamura, who is very shy, wallflower type of guy. And the two of them meet outside of school on accident. And she is a total motherly type, cooking, taking care of, stressing out about her little brother's welfare. And he is tattooed, pierced, um, looks totally different and about how these two high school students decide to keep their real life identities secret with each other, that they can only be themselves around each other and, and how they fit. So it, it's really kind of a love story between the two of them. And the third volume came out and it's kind of the resolution of well, one character told the other, I like you. And they tried to cover up by saying, I like your hands. <laughs> so the, the character's like flipping out like, well, what is it about my hands that this other person likes? Like, wait, do they actually like me? So it's, it's kind of that internal monologue, stressing out about what do they really mean? Mm-hmm. I feel this way, but do they feel this way? I'm not sure they feel this way. I'm afraid to ask more about it. So it's a lot of that uncertainty, you know, teenage angst, but also they still hang out with each other and they still try to support each other in their own way. And that's um, Hori Mia. So it's like Hori and then Miyamura, but together, like Tomcat or Benifer or some <laughs> no. other celebrity couple that I cannot think of right now. You're really topical with the Benifer thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not together anymore, are they? Well, no. Neither one no. of the two Benifers, I think, are together anymore. Uh, so sad. So sad. Tragic. Very, very, very <laughs> sad and tragic. Uh, Mara, this um, at Draw Monkey on Twitter says, I'm picky with manga, but highly recommend... Yatsu, Yatsuba, uh, best written little girl. Love your podcast. Keep bringing them. So yes. someone is a fan. I have not read Yatsuba, mm. but that is, I think that's a kindergartner um, main character, like a very young little little girl. So it's supposed to be like fun, lighthearted, all ages um, kind of story. Hmm. Very, very cool. interesting. Um, I will say, I don't think I gave credit before when we, talk, we talked about the current non-superhero book that can make the next great TV show? That question was from Sammy Cassell. I just oh, wanted to okay. give credit hey, there. I don't, Sammy. I don't think I mentioned no. that before. Um, so I just wanted to give credit to, to, to his question there. Um, Joey, do you have anything uh, else you wanted to go in detail about? No. No? <laughs> not, not really. I think we talked I talked, We talked. Ultimates. We talked Pukka. We talked Ms. Marvel. Oh, um, I don't know if you brought this up when we were talking about Ms. Marvel, Bob, but there's some great panels in here with with um miss marvel and captain marvel shows yes. up in here too amazing 
amazing stuff that is just so true to, to both characters. Um, I don't want to get into it too much because it's really worth reading. Uh, the first six issues of Miss Marvel have, has not missed a beat from the kind of emotional ride of, of the first mm-hmm. volume. Um, it's just such a wonderful book. And that moment with Captain Marvel reminds you how significant both characters have become mm. uh, in the universe and kind of in in what we talk about here. So, yeah, uh, nothing else, really. I wasn't able to read much else from, from what we've already talked about. But, yeah. Well, you, well, you watched a lot of movies, Joey. This is oh, fun. that's what I did. I was like, why did I read so many books this weekend? Because <laughs> I watched 25 hours of movies. So that's why. <laughs> Uh, it all makes sense. It all makes. Yeah. It all comes together. It all comes together. I was like, Bob's gonna come to me, and I'm gonna have nothing to talk about. I feel yeah. so unprepared. Yeah, you're doing. Of course, fine. now I realize why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. For me, the only book I didn't get to in my lightning round that I really wanted to talk about, and I just talk about it really quick because um, I mention it every time it comes out. But I- Injection Number Nine came out. Ah. Um, we're we're kind of very spiraling towards the end of this uh, of of this arc, and. Um, this issue more than anything else kind of really crystallizes exactly what is happening and, and where, our, where our characters are in relation to each other and what sort of the end game is here and just it's it just first, it looks beautiful Declan Shelby and Jordi Belair doing awesome awesome work uh, Warren Ellis it's scripting has been phenomenal uh, but just the the core idea of what the injection is is such is so cool to me this idea of this basically computer virus that was created that became sentient AI but basically adapts and, and has adopted the things that scare us the most. So it started adopting like folklore as, as it, that's its modus mm-hmm. operandi. So it, it creates sort of supernatural things out of its sort of technological prowess. And, and so anything that's basically in our, in our folklore books, in our, in our mythology in, in our scary stories, it will, it can bring to life to sort of, get its way um the overall picture of what it really wants is not completely clear it is a warren ellis book so you can't ask for too much (laughs) as far as being clear about what's actually going on but it's just been so engaging and so interesting and i love the characters so much it's just it's got this great procedural mixed with this crazy sci-fi you know serial story so it's just been a, a really great ride and i think a book that not a lot of people talk about but definitely deserves to to have attention if you're in to sci-fi kind of horror stuff it's, it's a really really great great read and i recommend it very very highly how many issues are we in we're in nine i believe that 10 is the end of this because uh, it was five issues the first arc so i believe this will be the last issue of this arc and then it'll be out in trade so the you know the first trade's available it's an image number one trade yeah. so it's 10 bucks wow i'm sure you can probably get yeah. it cheaper on amazon or something like that uh, really, really worth it. Um, uh, especially if you like folklore and stuff like that. I think it's it's something that it, it really invests you in it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I did, which is comic book related, but not comic book exactly, is I played through uh, The Walking Dead Michonne, which is the new uh, Telltale game. They've made two seasons of The Walking Dead. They also, the ones who made the Fables game, The Wolf Among mm-hmm. Us, Game of Thrones, etc., uh, they did like a new kind of mini seasons, only three episodes long. They're relatively short. I think the whole thing is like ten bucks to, to buy. But this actually focuses on Michonne uh, and not new characters because the first two seasons have, have focused on completely new characters, uh, specifically this this girl named Clementine. Uh, it's funny for me because I stopped watching Walking Dead after season two, and that's mm-hmm. when Michonne entered the show. And I've I've read 
six issues ever of the Walking Dead comic book. <laughs> so this was really my first, really, except for sort of seeing her in pictures or hearing people talk mm-hmm. about her, my first real exposure to the character of of Michonne. Um, and it was it was really, really good. I, I, it's not as meaty um, or I think as emotional as those two longer, fuller seasons, but it was interesting because those seasons you really very much play as characters who are out of their depth and out of their element as far as, you know, going up against these zombies. You know, one zombie is like pretty much might be death threat mm-hmm. for any of these people. And that's not really the truth from Michonne. <laughs> she kills a lot of zombies. I think you kill more zombies in the first episode of The Walking Dead Michonne than in the two other seasons combined um, of the first two ones. But uh, yeah, those games are great. They're, they've got, they're very story-based, very choice-based. You're making having conversations and you're sort of making decisions and those affect how everything um, ends up. I mean, I think that tends to happen a lot in sort of Zombie fiction, but also in The Walking Dead, is you start you kind of you you sort of retread the same sort of ideas a lot of the time. There's always some sort of power figure who is, you know, corrupt and mm-hmm. and, and and who is let the power go to their head, and they're ultra violent and sort of sadistic. That that's the truth here as well. But what I love about it is that there's a lot of gray area, and that gray area is played out very very well here. Um, and I just learning and meeting the character of Michonne was a very cool thing. It's a character I had heard about a lot. Uh, and unlike the other the other ones, which you know deal mostly in just new characters, this dealing in a comic book character for the first time really made me interested in going and um, reading the oh. the comics, which I have. <gasps> oh, cool! I have yeah. the first those first two giant, you know, collections. Compendiums. Yeah, yeah. the compendiums, um, which we got, I got for like five dollars each at, wow. at special edition or yeah. whatever. Uh, so I have a lot to go through and. Uh, I actually think well, my wife played it with me, and she started reading them before me. So she started; she was been reading, I think, the first three or four issues. And she's only seen; she's never seen like any of the TV show. She's watched like mm-hmm. two episodes of the TV show or something like that. So it's a uh, it's pretty cool. Um, the Samira Wiley voices uh, Michonne, and she most famous she's in Orange Is the New Black. Um, and I gotta remember her name. I think it's like Precious or something like that. I can't remember her name. Oh. That's oh, right. It's Pussay. That's her name in it. Pussay. <laughs> Pussay. Uh, and she's great in that, and she's great in this. Uh, really, really fun. And, and for 10 bucks, it, it's well worth wow. your time. It probably takes, each episode's probably an hour and a half. So you're probably talking, you know, four and a half hours total, if, if that, uh, of time. But it's well worth it, and I really, really enjoyed um, checking it out. Uh, so yeah, that's it. For, that's it for me. Um, Joey, I know you didn't read, you had anything else to talk about that you'd read. Yeah, I but, thought of a book. I thought oh. of a book. Laid on us. I, I mentioned it in the lightning round, but I didn't talk about it, which was Cry Havoc, which we've ah. been bringing up the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I did catch up with that. That book got really weird, man. Yeah, it's I love weird. it. Yeah, it's very weird. <laughs> you know, we started off and it was like wolves and that whole thing with the different with the different kind of um, time settings for each one, and then issue three or four, they start talking about like you know, like the story and and this like meta narrative about fiction and all this, and I'm like, I have no idea how this got here, but it's so cool and awesome um and some really crazy brutal things happened in that book um Cy Spurrier is the the writer on that right yeah, yes I think yeah, yeah. um it was so cool because I, I was looking at the boom stuff he's got another book coming out today time travel uh-huh. um called Weavers which is also kind of a, another one of these horror mishmashes that he's doing you know cry havoc we have this kind of military thing going on with the werewolves whatever uh Weavers is like a mafia 
mafia movie, mafia kind of story, except with supernatural spider powers or something like that. I'm like, this is crazy. Spice Barrier knocking it out of the park. I just read the first couple of uh, pages here, um, and it, it it's it's that same kind of like taking horror tropes and and working it into this other genre. So yeah, really cool, and I'm really enjoying Cry Havoc. I didn't know it was not four issues long. I thought it was like a four issue miniseries, but apparently it's not. Apparently it's still going, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah. So forward <laughs> to reading more. Um, have you read Six Gun Gorilla, Joey? I have not, but that's, is that, um, Colin Bunn? No, no that's, that's Cy Sp- Spurrier. Oh yeah? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really crazy and awesome. Uh, but it's not, it's funny because it's like this, like six gun that like he has like a six shooter gorilla, but it, everything is sort of animals and anthropomorphized and stuff like that. So, uh, that is not the crazy part, but it's just, it's a pretty awesome book. I think that you would very much enjoy it. Um, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Mara, what's coming out this week that you're, you're that you're looking forward to? You know, I haven't even had a chance to look through the pull list for this week. <laughs> but uh, let me—I think I did get a. You know, you asked me this. I think I did get a picture of what's being shipped to me, and the Gotham Central omnibus. Oh, yes. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to be doing it on Legendary Runs, so oh. we're going to be doing it in style. Yeah. Have you ever um, read it? Have you ever read it? I have not. And oh I know it's I, like it's so bad because I love Rue Baker and Greg Rucka and Michael Lark. Michael Lark. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it's like the trifecta of cool here. Yeah. So I need to I need to get on that. But there's a new Star Wars Insider coming out, a new Walking Dead, and Poe Dameron. Mm. So that's that's kind of my uh, my big to do list this week. Are you hopeful for Poe Dameron anymore? I know you were, you know, you liked the first issue, but you weren't like super 100% on it. I am interested in seeing where it's going to go. Uh, I think I'll be more interested after the first arc and um, seeing if they do any more like backstory or older stories or if it's just going to be adult Poe doing adult Poe things, which I hope involve him taking off his, his shirt, <laughs> <laughs> flying X-Wings you know, half naked and stuff like that. I can objectify because I, you know, women have been objectified for years. <laughs> that's not how that works. <laughs> that's not, not how that works. <laughs> hey man, I know you're professional all, but no, that's not. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty into seeing Poe Dameron flying an X-Wing with his shirt off. So I'm okay, <laughs> okay. with it. I mean, from an academic standpoint, we haven't seen that yet in Star Wars, so it's true. Mars really it. interested in a more academic way, like it's just, it's it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a study. It's yeah, a study. okay. Can it be done? Can it be done? <laughs> Can you fly an X-wing without your shirt on? Um, no. uh, oh, I should also point out hmm. that this week, aka today, May third slash yesterday, um, the newest Star Wars novel came out. Oh yes, Bloodline. Yeah. Okay. I actually have it in my hand right now. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you who don't know, it, it's a Princess Leia, or sorry, General Leia story mm. um, taking place before The Force Awakens. It's by Claudia Gray, who also did um, Lost Stars, which, in my opinion, was the best Star Wars novel to come out in recent years. All right. Certainly the best one I've ever read. I'm really excited about this. Claudia Gray is a fantastic author. I love Princess Leia. I can't wait to read more about General Leia. So um, just in time for May the 4th. And um, yeah, it's not a comic book, but it's still Star Wars. (laughs) Still counts. 
Bob, what are you excited for? Legend of Wonder Woman number five ah. in print this week. I know all you digital folks are way ahead of me, but I'm just loving month by month on that. Uh, a Force five mm. continues to be good. A start of a new arc on that. We have a Spider Gwen sighting this week, continuing that storyline. And I'm going to have to go pick up Wolverine number seven, apparently. <laughs> yes, yeah. you will love it. <laughs> Did anyone read the Choose Your Own Adventure? Squirrel Girl this Did week? not, no. Uh, we'll, not. We'll, we'll talk next week then. Okay. <laughs> it is nuts. No uh, pun intended. <laughs> Are you not excited for Thunderbolts? No. No, not. Okay. Not particularly. The last one soured me on the okay. whole thing. Yeah. I will probably pick it up, but the art looks a little Liefeldian. Okay. Looks very 90s. I agree with that. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. <laughs> Um, it's, it's got Bucky in it, though. I know, and I'm like, I should, but I'm yeah. not going to. <laughs> I mean, it has some of the old Thunderbolts. Yeah. So I'm torn. I'm going to have to pick it up in the shop and, mm. you know. Peruse it. Peruse it and look when no one's looking and you know, put it back. <laughs> put when it back it's, yeah, Right, exactly, and then just leave. Uh, <laughs> the Clunes got her Punisher book coming out this week, so I'm, I'm excited yeah. about that. No, Punisher 1, man. Yeah. And then there's that also that Punisher Daredevil book that's coming out. What's that? It's a Charles Soule thing. Hmm. I didn't even know it existed until I was looking at the pull list article, Joey. And I was like, oh, I, this is a thing. <laughs> I saw it on the list and I didn't even really understand the solicit. It was like, team up, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> so there's... A lot of Daredevil, a lot of Punisher today, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny how that happens. Um but yeah, so I might look at that, but I'm not sure. I'm definitely going to pick up the Punisher book, mm -hmm. uh, the, the Clooney Punisher book, uh, because uh, I've really liked what she's done writing-wise over the last couple of years, um, and, and I want to see what she does with a character like that, because it's just such, it's just not what I'd expect, you know? So I'm, I'm excited to see mm -hmm. what that turns out. You know, I, I, I am not, I, I wish that the inside of the book was like the Declan Shelby cover, because I love the way that yeah. looks, but... Steve, yeah, Dillon, I agree. Steve Dillon has earned his stripes on, on doing Punisher yeah. books, so I, I will definitely give it a chance. And, and I did think that his work, obviously, was a long time ago, but his work of Preacher was, was pretty great. So, um, you know, I, I, have a, I have that sour taste in my mouth from The Last Thunderbolts, right? That, he did yes. The Last Thunderbolts, right? Yeah. So that, I mean, that book was just so bad. That's one of the books. <sighs> that first issue was one of those issues when everybody asked me, what's the worst book you've ever read? That was de it's definitely one of them yeah. for me. <laughs> um, uh, it was so abysmal, but. Obviously, that one book does not make a, a whole no. twenty-five year career for, for, for him. So I'll I'll definitely be be checking that out. Um, there, there's a lot of DC stuff like getting towards the end. You know, a lot of the new fifty-two books are, are getting towards their wrap-up ends, but not really ones that I'm really reading anymore. So I'm I'm not really totally into that. But uh, Descender Volume Two comes out, the trade, ah. and I'm reading that mm -hmm. trade by trade, and I love the first volume a, a lot. So. Uh, it's one of the things where I just ha I haven't heard anything about it. I haven't looked at it since I read that first trade. So I'm going to pick up that second trade and just dive in. And, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Mara, you sounded excited. Yeah, I've been re actually reading it as it comes out. Oh, really? So I'm really glad you, you told me that you're trade waiting. So now I won't say anything about this. <laughs> well, I'm happy that you, done, <laughs> uh, you didn't, just, didn't just ruin something for me. Yeah. Again. <laughs> Again, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely into that. Um, you know, new Rat Queens is out as well. I'll definitely take a look at that always. Um, but yeah, uh, new new Wicked and the Divine today, right, Joey? Uh, yes. Number nineteen is that a new one? Number nineteen. Yes. 19? yes. Okay. 
Okay. Rising action. There's a lot of crazy stuff coming out from the, the indies. Um, there's one book from Image called Renato Jones, The 1%, number one. <laughs> yeah. It's this really weird book. Here's a solicit. Special double-sized double size issue. The 1% own more than half the world's wealth. They've crashed economies, blah, 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 same stuff. Who will make them pay? Enter Renato Jones, a mysterious vigilante, out to even the score. Uh, and when he enters the fray, the super rich are super... Fleh. I'm not going to say it. Uh, it's by Care Andrews, um, who's a very distinctive kind of style. To be doing a lot more writing. He did uh, that Iron Fist series that came out mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, which I wasn't a particular fan of. Um, but this book sounds crazy. I might take a look. And um, IDW is collecting. Uh, they did. Um, a comic adaptation of Drive, that James Salas novel that was also the Ryan Gosling movie a few mm. years ago, which I really like that movie. I love um, that. And they're putting they're putting the mini comic series into a, a, a trade for release tomorrow. So I'm looking forward to, to picking that up too. Taking a look at that. All right. Very, very cool. Um, and there's a new Matt Kent book coming out from, from Valiant. So I'll definitely check that out. I don't even know what it is. It's called 4001 AD. No idea, but I'll, oh. I'll take a look at it because uh, I like his work over in that universe. Uh, but yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it for, for this week's show. Uh, if you go get in contact with us at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics or podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Please head to TalkingComicBooks.com to check out our reviews, our articles, our bevy of podcasts, like the review roundup that goes and, and, the, mm. and the pull list that goes up every week. Uh, thank you for Joey for organizing that. Uh, Mara, yes. Mara has her Manga Mondays back, back in action. Make sure you check out that. Uh, we have another uh, another uh, review uh, from Carolyn and her and her daughter. Ah, that's uh, about to up. Yeah, Star Wars. So it's coming. <gasps> yeah, I love those. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she asked me if she could please publish it on May the fourth. So I said absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so we, we we've got that coming out as well, um, as well as a lot of video game content, a lot of, uh, and and some movie stuff as well. Um, Brian Verderosa is gonna be doing a box office report every Monday. The first one of those going up. This week, so that was very good. Yeah. I was reading that one. Yeah, so, old home week. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so make sure you check check that out. Um, of course, Captain America: Civil War is is coming out uh, this week. Um, obviously, please go discuss uh, on our forums. Be respectful of anyone. You know, if you're going to talk about spoilers, make sure you put in. In you know, it's it, it's very clear that there's going to be spoiler talk. Uh, you know. E- feel free to email or, or or tweet at us or Facebook at us about the movie. If you're going to do something that's public, obviously on Twitter or on Facebook, mm-hmm. please, no spoilers. Um, if you want to write something spoilery, send, send an email and mark it as mm-hmm. spoiler. So I don't read it before I see the movie yes. and then no. we'll block <laughs> your IP po- yeah. from downloading Post the show. Post it and hide it. You yeah. Know, we'll do one of those <laughs> fancy internet things. Yeah. So just be respectful of all that and be respectful in general, of course, about, about spoilers um, with, with, with all of that stuff. Um, if you want to touch with us personally, I'm at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Joey. At Joey Bertino. Mara. At Megamara Mon. Bob. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. <laughs> yeah, and so if you're a Patreon member, um, Bob and Carolyn are going to tend to do a little, little post-Civil War chat mm-hmm. uh, that will go up on there. So... Uh, I make no promises because sometimes that stuff can get really wonky when you're walking out of a movie and having to go 
record it in a bar or something, but... Yeah, there's a place in the Huntington Village that makes really great strawberry daiquiris, <laughs> so I think I need a strawberry daiquiri. So Bob Bob and Carolyn, strawberry daiquiris in the yes, Civil War yeah. review for you on, on the Patreon. Uh, and, and so look for that if, if you're if you're part of that. And thank you again, obviously, if, if you donate. You guys are awesome, um, and we love you. And thank you to everybody who wrote in um, with questions. Uh, keep them coming. Keep your reactions, obviously, coming for, for, for about Civil War, about anything else in, in the comic book world. And uh, thank you to Bob and Joey and Mara for, uh, for talking comics today with me. And thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you. Um, but that's going to do it for the show for this week. So for Bob. Hasta la vista. Mara. Luminous beans we are. And Joey. <laughs> Bucky. I, I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs> <laughs>